Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. Otis Mineral Glass Eyewear. Born on the rugged, surf-rich coast of Western Australia, they create sunglasses that look good, last the distance, and complement an eclectic lifestyle. Mineral Glass Lenses, environmentally friendly, scratch resistant, with perfect clarity. Otis Eco Acetate is made from resources widely found in nature like cotton seeds and plant matter using natural non-fossil fuel binders. That means the acetate part of our frames is non-toxic, recyclable, and certified biodegradable. Otis Glasses is beautiful. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at inherentbummer.com. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Surfa CBD, grown by surfers for surfers to help you maintenance your body after a lifetime of surfing. Follow us on Instagram at Surfa. S-E-R-F-A-C-B-D. Use promo code late night with chalky at checkout for 20% off surfacbd.com. WaveKey is the world's most comprehensive land-based sensory surf discipline. The brainchild of former number one surfer Brad Gerlach, WaveKey's martial art-like focus on slow, precise, land-based movements embed powerful surfing patterns and fundamental technique for surfers of all levels. WaveKey is a land-based program allowing you to achieve a heightened focus on the movements as you practice. The effects of this are amplified when the practice begins to subliminally emerge in your surfing. It takes time for this to happen, but when it does, your surfing improves dramatically. Brad Gerlach is front and center in all aspects of the unique WaveKey course, presenting recorded videos, live session videos, Q's and A's, and insightful expert notes. Nuggets of gold that you simply won't find anywhere else. WaveKey, for the love of surfing. CBD, grown by surfers for surfers, to help you maintenance your body after a lifetime of surfing. Follow us on Instagram at Surfa, S-E-R-F-A-C-B-D. Use promo code late night with chalky at checkout for 20% off surfacbd.com. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, 
Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky Podcast. Our guest this week has had his fair share of surf excursions and has taken advantage of the perks while traveling the world as a team manager at Rusty <laughs> Split in Oakley. He's managed team houses on the North Shore for many years, many winners over there, and he's spent more time out at Pipe than most pro surfers. Really? Yes. Kind of true. Yeah, he charges big waves, and he's no slouch on a dirt bike either, finishing multiple top 10 finishes in the Surfer Cross event. He focuses all of his time now as co-owner at LXD Eyewear. <laughs> I to say that again. Yeah. I didn't want to say LSD because yeah. that sounds better. But I, LXD Eyewear. And he, uh, we're stoked to hear all about that. We welcome Ronnie Rondog Nelson. Yeah. Oh, thanks for having me, boys. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Dude, Officially, you're the first guest of 2022. Yes. So Good. I hope Pretty 2022 amazing. takes off. You're bringing in right. the, the first episode of the Late Night with Chalky podcast of the year 2022. <sighs> now, thanks, bud. Yeah. Good to see you. I love it. Thank you, guys. And, um, yeah, tell us. There's a there's a lot, like what you just brought up and what we just <laughs> talked in, about the past. It's like, where do you start, you know? But I guess I, I could start like Paul did the same thing. Like, yeah, start you, at the very beginning. Freaking dude from Downey, California, somehow finds a surfboard when he's eight, nine years old and fell in love with the ocean and... Just couldn't wait to the day he was old enough to get the hell out of that place and get <laughs> down here. You know who introduced it to you though? Um, you know, weird thing about Downey, there's actually there was a weird surf community there. Yeah, you know, we're only you can get this back then now with traffic no way, but back then you get Seal Beach in 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like Seal Beach used to break give a lot us, more too. Give us the the streets that you were on. It was it was so true. I, I like sorry to interrupt, but you, the the. Used to be able to get everywhere so much faster. Faster, faster. like, like yeah. fifteen was, minutes was no joke. Like less now traffic, like, less lights, less whatever. Uh, and that's what, that's what was rad about Downey. We wake up in the morning and we'd be like, "Let's go to Rincon," and we just shoot out the backside through Pasadena, like hit no traffic and be there in an hour and ten minutes. So, so what streets yeah. were you? My main ones were Lakewood and Gallatin. So, have you heard of the world's oldest McDonald's? No. Have the big arches. It's yeah, all, that's yeah, on yeah. Lakewood in Florence. So I was like a mile from there. But that that's a like D- Downey's pretty funny because um, there's North Downey and South Downey. North Downey consisted of the carpenters, and South Downey consisted of of gangs. So there was just like you had this area over here, and then it was surrounded by Pico Rivera and yeah, uh, all these other areas. So it was really weird growing up there with just like it's it's a it's a melting yeah. pot. Yeah. Like, because Downey is like Paramount. Yeah, that's another. We, that was when we played in basketball. We played Paramount, Linwood, Dominguez, Linwood, Long Beach, yeah. Yeah. Jordan. It was yeah, pretty wild. You know, I you know and, I, and I'm like, the, I'm like long blonde hair, wearing freaking like the Bad Billy surf clothes. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally like out of out of place. But I mean, you're not because there's just like you said, there's a surf community. There's there. a crazy surf community. In fact, that like back then there's a place called Miller's West, and that was kind of our Miller's surf Outpost. Show. It was like a, I think it was before Miller's Outpost. It was no called way. Miller's West. Really? Right. And they sponsored a, they sponsored like a couple guys from Downey. And then later in life, you get you you, you know when I moved into Newport, I met this guy Wait, Larry Van Way, and he's don't, don't from go Downey. too fast. So so do you remember who introduced you and how old you were? It was um... okay. It's time to commit. 
2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I think I got turned on to surfing from Hot Summer Nights on ESPN. Dude, and it was sure. always Pipeline. I was just like watching that. And it was always girls in bikinis and dudes pulling in barrels. I was like, that looks so fun. Yeah. And then they had the orange uh, orange crush or orange kiss what was that orange the, crush commercials yeah they had those commercials yeah, the good on vibrations them. yeah the good yeah. vibrations yeah. I was like this looks fun i could get into that vibe you know and <laughs> and then it happened to turn out that i lived two or three blocks from mark pesh no way yeah dang and so we when we all started getting custom boards my one friend rode for lance cook which was summer board my yeah. friend tracy so we i think i had like one or two summers and then it found out this mark pesh dude lives two or three blocks from us yeah and from then on it was it was like, all right, I'm riding Peshes. I rode one today, you know, and yeah. Mark's such a great shaper and he's such a good dude. And my, my best friend Pete started working for him when we were probably 16. Yeah. And we'd drive down to, he would, well, it was his job. I just cruised with him, but we would drive down to Mitch's surf shop and pick up blanks to bring him back to Mark and Downey. Wow. Like, we were driving around. And then when boards were done, we were going to HSS to deliver. So I was just following Pete around. Yeah. And, and, you know, the old saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, from 16 to 20, meeting all the people we met, everyone running surf shops. and Yeah, I rode Mark's boards for yeah. a good five, five years. Yeah. Like, a while. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of guys. I mean, you get in the, you get in, get him on here. That yeah. guy had, I mean, there was irons on his board. Yeah. Marty, I mean, everyone. You do have to get Pesh C. Yeah. Did I hear that? Uh, <laughs> Pesh C. Go, go, yeah. yeah, so, go back. Uh, did you boogie board or? When I was, obviously, when you're little, right, you start out. Like, yeah. Um, my dad hated the ocean. He's terrified of it. From his, his dad would take him out fishing and drink, and he'd like lose the prop, and they'd float for three hours. So, so my dad's like, "Fuck that ocean! I'm terrified of it." Um, my mom loved it, so she'd take us down. We were kids, and we just we just, just hang out, lay out, cruise yeah, each day. Yeah, cruise. Yeah, we'd have, we'd, we'd we'd be down at the beach Did weekly in the summer. Do you have siblings? I got an older brother. Okay. Um, Was he in the surfing? Or? No, the movie Jaws scared the shit out of him. He just thinks every time you go in the ocean, a shark's gonna bite you, like straight up, like yeah. terrified. But that's. You know, I was born in 72, and he was born in 70, and our parents let us watch, like, scary movies. I saw Jaws when I was, like, six. Like, nightmares about that. Yeah. And it was so real back then. Now you're like, whatever. It's funny. Yeah. You know? Fun and funny. It is funny. But I had a shark nightmare this morning. <laughs> what? Or yet last night, yeah. A shark nightmare. <laughs> well, it was really quick, but it, it, I had one. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Was that uh, a shark I'm not serving with, shark. I'm not serving with <laughs> you, <Chardonnay>. though. Shark <laughs> So too much Chardonnay. <laughs> too much Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Get you. Oh man. Uh, so so you 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 grew up your mom taking you to the beach yeah. and who was like your rat pack like from, oh, from home? Oh man, I had 
I mean, we had friends. We'd just go hit the beach, and I had I had all kinds of friends. We my mom had this uh, Ford Econo van, old school, like the TV in no it. Windows. Had, the, yeah, no, it had windows, oh. but it had like all the seats. So we'd pack like eight kids in there, all the boards under them, and we'd go. I had friends who didn't surf, didn't boogie board. They just would play on the sand. Yeah, just your typical like beach day you know you, yeah. and you said seal was like the go-to spot uh, bolsa chica usually bolsa, yeah. bolsa was kind of like our zone it was less crowded and that's when we were you know 10 11 12 yeah. and, and once we st- we started surfing around like 10 11 12 and what was your once, first board um well i don't know if you remember it um my first board was a, like a six seven offshore single fin Huge. that my dad my dad worked at santa Anita racetrack and he found it in the dump out there Oh. And that was like my first one. I'd jump on it in the pool and learn how to ride it. So when I finally rode it, it was like, it, it was, it sucked. Yeah. And I and I remember going. Six, seven single like, fin, the, uh, four inch yeah. tails. Oh, yeah, giant things. The tail, the tail was pulled in like straight, you know. And I remember going home thinking that I knew how to shape. I think I was like 13. So <laughs> I pulled out like knives and pliers and I ripped all the glass off this thing. What? And I was kind of like. Reshape. Reshape this to what I wanted. I remember my dad being because you're, so you're at the beach, you're seeing all the other, <laughs> other boards that are uh-huh. down there, and you're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, this isn't. This, is, this is the off. late '80s. There was rad boards back then that still worked. Like all the boards today look like the boards from the '80s. Yeah. You know, maybe not with those weird rails, but yeah, yeah. So dad was pissed off about that, and and it threw it off the dumpster. Me. He took me to La Mirada Swap Meet, Orange in La Mirada. Yeah, La Mirada Swap Meet, and some dude selling surfboards that are called a Tunis. Huh. And I got a, a Tunis. A, a Tunis? Yeah, like a tuna with an S, like a Tunis. <laughs> and it had this really cool paint job on it. It was a four fin. I was like, that's the one. Yeah. So he bought and, me a and surfboard. Not six, seven. Yeah, not six seven. He bought me yeah. that thing and Dad swam out in the ocean one day, put me on the thing. He's like, just stand up, like not knowing how surfing even works. So yeah. I stood on the board and a wave came in and he just pushed me in. I rode it all the way to the beach and and I pretty much quit playing baseball, basketball. That's it was what all happens. like it was like uh, my whole life, I was. Com- I'm still very competitive. Like my daughter plays soccer; she just wants me to shut up. I'm over there like trick them, you know. <laughs> so I was very competitive growing up, but when I went surfing, it was just like all that competitive shit went out the window. That yeah. was like, did you surf contests? I I did. I was horrible at them. I didn't know. Like once I started getting decent, I'd go down there, and I mean back then it was. We'll get later, and we'll talk later into this, but it was 15 minutes, like three or maybe four to the beach yeah i'm just like i don't surf like this so i was i thought i had a competitiveness for it but surfing i didn't want to do anything it's competitive still 15 surfing. minutes in a lot of events it is it's so crazy it's so crazy like that's not that's not competitive that's no it's so luck. so your dad bought you a four fin a tunis <laughs> and you stood up on it first day first day like first wave he just said stand on it and he pushed me in and i like did the squat and rode literally rode the wave, like not the whitewash. Like yeah. he swam on the back and he's a strong dude. He just pushed me in this wave. I rode it and just, I remember, I think I even went right like backside. I don't know why gliding. I do that. And I was just gliding. And it was, so and it was right there. I was like, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you, I mean, as a kid, unlimited waves, you don't have to have a sparring partner. You don't need a coach. You don't need you to don't like need, yeah. to go wait for the, the basketball court to open or a field, you know, like you're, yeah. it's just gun ho, you know? And I think that like, to have that accessibility, you know, and it's instant, like, you know, psych reward, you know? Absolutely. You know like, what actually... You're so psyched. You know what even got me surfing more than boogie boarding was 
obviously we didn't see it on YouTube or anything, but my my friend was like, I'm going to make my own skim board. Oh, we were, that was so big. So we were, we were like making our own skim boards, laminating them, and we were skimming more than anything. Dude. And then finally, and we were like 10, 11, we're like, Spotify Green Room. Spotify Green Room is a free audio-only social media platform for all sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any league or group you want. And follow us at Late Night with Chalky to be notified when our room goes live. Spotify Green Room. Should we start surfing yet? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know too many people started surfing young unless your parents were like full blown surfers. But right. yeah. I think twelve years old was the average age. You know, like yeah. I don't think Pat O'Connell surfed till he was twelve or something. We, yeah. you know, like, well, he didn't move to Dana Point until then. Like, yeah, at like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, being inland, you know, like, you don't know most of these guys. Like, Laura, he started, what, six years old? I, I mean, I was boogie boarding, you yeah, know, like, yeah. standing you up were, on a boogie board and probably... You saw surfing, like you were, like, almost on the daily, you were at the beach. Uh, my brother and my dad were bugging me to stand up, yeah. and get on a surfboard. I'm like, no, I'm fine, I'm just going to boogie. And for us, you know, like, we don't... <laughs> you know? Okay. And then we, I started, I'm like, why didn't you make me do it earlier? We don't, we don't see it. On the weekends, if we get to go on the weekends, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't always get the ride. You don't always... No, that's, that was the deal. So when we got there, we were there. We were committed. Yeah. And there wasn't... It wasn't like I, we were able to get there every day and practice. Yeah. So when we went, which I think is... I, I think it's a positive, is we would get there at 7 a.m. We wouldn't leave till 3.30. Yeah. Like, we were there. We were invested. We had lunch. And that, and that goes back would to... Would you ride your bike or would you um, take the bus... Usually, some one of the parents drove us. That's cool. Um, we did. We used to ride our bike down the San Gabriel Riverbed down to mm-hmm. down to Seal Beach. But we, you know, back then we didn't have like surfboard racks or anything. We yeah. didn't want to hold it like a you know hour and a half ride on a bicycle on a BMX bike, not like a you know not the ones they have today's with oh. motors and shit all yeah, in them. Yeah. The kids yeah. were like zooming around. Yeah, we yeah. had those. We would have been kids at the beach so, every day. Yeah, you could be in the foothills Dawn patrolling it every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. so fucking spoiled. So spoiled. But, but going back to you, to you mentioning. You're at the beach all day, and yeah, we would make skimboards, and we yeah. would hang out. Like you know, you'd surf, you'd body surf. We'd hang guns, you know, yeah. like the, the whatever. Leash, we made those things ones, too, yeah. but but like we we would make so many skimboards. Yeah, diamond tail, uh-huh. like swallow tail, like you know, round tail, hip, and we figure out how to like put a little rocker in it so you're just not purling because that was everything. You would buy a piece of plank, you know piece of plywood and it'd just be straight so you put some weight all yeah, your thing bend, bend it a little yeah, bit yeah it was sick get it wet i wish i kept some of those i know yeah my like, friend my, my friend anthony i remember he made one he like mounting some logos all yeah. over it and that thing was a he was talented he's an artist kid and that thing was like a piece of art like if yeah. it was still here today guys would be like oh that's sick and they'd fully ride it like a retro skimboard yeah yeah. I mean, he like fiberglass the thing. I was just doing, I was just taking like marine wood and putting resin over it, right? Yeah. Like, I didn't fiberglass it, you know? <laughs> yeah, we use polyurethane. I don't think we use fiberglass. Yeah. Either, but but um, yeah, you'd hang out at the beach all day. So, you know, you're just. So, just we did. so after you had the Atunis, you, you said you, uh, you surfed some contests a little bit. Yeah, that's, you know, we, we got a little older. I think, I think we all started doing that when we hit around 16. Like, yeah. we all got our cars. 
and we did a lot of like the uh, uh, Calvary Chapel events. Yeah, um, we do some NSSAs here and there. A couple of my friends were were better than me. They'd always do better, but I just I didn't really care. I would just go down there and surf. Yeah, like back then you'd go surf a heat and you'd lose. Or if you if you won and made the heat, you still just like you're done. You take your jersey off and you're just back out in the water surfing all day. Yeah. It was like an excuse to go surfing, right? Um, and that's that's what we did that, at that age. Yeah, was, as much as we could get to the beach, we, like we'd start school. I think eight o'clock, and during the right times, we were we were down surfing, and we'd be running to school late, like sandals on, sand on our feet, just kind of like we made it. You know, it's like <laughs> it's a mission. It's a mission. Yeah. But when the waves were good, the waves were good. It was fun. Did you play hooky? You guys would go dog mm-hmm. patrol and make it back to school. Absolutely, wow. we'd be in the water in the dark, and we'd be leaving at sunrise. Like, yeah, did we'd you always go to the pier because the lights were on? We just how many we'd, get, we'd surf were... at night at the pier probably twice a week because that's you know we get done doing our things. We're like, yes, we go surf. <laughs> how a many? Lot of... How many surfers were uh, were at your school? You know, when I look back now, like through when I just say when I was a freshman to a senior, there was probably like twenty of us. Yeah. Um, and there was one other school in Downey called Warren, where I know there were some guys over there too. Warren. Warren High. Yeah. Yeah. And then, a couple as we got older, a couple younger kids came in. This kid, you'd probably remember him, James Taylor, JT. He he moved to Huntington actually. I think when he was like a freshman, mm. and he like even when he lived in Downey, the dude ripped, like super good. And we'd go. We'd go meet him in Huntington and go surf, and he was just much better than us, and he and he was classic, and you could yeah. tell it just took that like one year living at the beach versus yeah. having to get there. He excelled. Um, so crazy, so crazy. And then then we you get in the car and we drive somewhere, and he had like two short on or something. We're listening to like NWA, all this kind of like downy <laughs> gangster rap music, and JT just like, what are you guys listening to? You know, like like. Punks. Everyone had like punk scene going on and all that kind of music, and we were full listening to just like. Like gangster hip hop, yeah. you know, like pre Tupac stuff. And you did know? you guys have like, like a, WA? Like, and, yeah, all that. Like, yeah. did you guys have like a click at high school? Like, you, you know, because it's pretty clicky, you know, like all oh, the sports teams Absolutely. or the, like the band team, like you, you surfers, like hung out. Like, yeah, we are. Our we had our crew that surfed, and even just our friends that didn't but went to the beach. We all kind of stuck together. Yeah, like I grew up playing all the sports, and I was pretty pretty good at basketball, baseball, and I was like by sixteen, I'm like I got my license. Yeah, I'm out. Like our Football coach is trying to get me to play football. He's like, you're yeah. fast. you got good hands. I'm like, his name was Reggie Jones. He, he lives in Huntington. And he said, I said, I just want to go surfing, Reggie. And he's our coach Jones. And he's like, you're a smart kid. Don't play this fucking football. You're just going to get hurt. <laughs> go surfing. He goes, that's what I did my whole life, too. I'm like, enough said. All my friends are doing like hell week in the middle of summer. Yeah. And down he's hot. It's 100 degrees. Everyone's in pads. And Ooh. me and my friends are at the beach surfing. Yeah. You know, look, we're at the age. We're looking for the girls. We're just surfing, having fun. It's like we weren't the best, but we, we freaking had the most fun. That's yeah. for sure. Like, So you were saying how Seal was your first spot or Bolsa was, right? Um, yeah. I would say Bolsa was our... Bolsa was our go-to. Yeah, yeah. parking, then, state pass. It's easy to get in and out, and that's yeah, like bathrooms yeah. and all that. And yeah. back then, if you if you got in there before six, it was free. Yeah. Like they didn't lock it up on you. So if you beat the guy to the gate, you get in for free. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, was, we were we were all scrounging like three dollars for gas and like two dollars for Taco Bell afterwards. Yeah. So it's like well, I'm gonna pay ten bucks to park. Got to get here before they open. Bolsa's a, a place where there wasn't real any kind of real localism. No, right? Like, not at it's all. Kind of, it's, it's a state beach, so it's pretty broad. You know, it's pretty broad. Like, yeah, you just go yeah. down. The, if it's crowded, just go down the beach a little bit. It's kind so of that's, exactly. We just yeah. go find our own peak and have fun. So, uh, as you progressed, and you know, 
your level of surfing gets better. You start branching out to new spots. That's where you start seeing the localism. You get your license, man. It's like game on. Yeah. Like all those spots I keep hearing about and up and down the coast. Where where did you progress to? From there, we went straight to the pier like everyone does, right? To Huntington Pier. And you're just, it was just eye-opening, right? Yeah. Everyone's ripping. It's big. Hard to catch ways. It was real crowded. Localism. Localism was gnarly back then. Yeah. Yeah, Main Street didn't look like it does now. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, that was a so that was kind of the beginning. I also like if you go back, I had a friend they they owned a beach house in Newport. So as kids, we spent our summers in Newport. Wow, and that's where that's like kind of what I fell in love with. But surfing wise, all we knew was we got to go to the pier. Yeah, and I think at that time, and even right now, I mean, if you you know not to make fun of Newport, but if you look at scoreboard, yeah, I mean besides Richie and collins and todd miller yeah i mean in the back in the old days we got incredible surfers and guys who did things but like richie's the only one who's came at her then you look at huntington there's i know a lot of guys there's a yeah. lot of guys and there's been a lot of guys for Kind of jay larson ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> jaylar <laughs> did something jaylar was gnarly uh, but no it's true and i think you know it has a lot to do with just you know like being hungry and i think huntington had a lot of hungry you know Absolutely. Hungry guys. And it was a melting pot too, you know? A total melting pot. You know, it wasn't like... Even today, you know, it seems like there's more out-of-towners on South Side and North Side than there is, you know... For sure. (laughs) Did did you have like a go-to shop like when to go look at boards and like... Yeah. Where where was your... You know, because that's so important when we talk about like, you know, your shop environment and... You know, here you are in Downey, you'd come down to Huntington or Seal. Where, where were we yeah, our, uh, in the beginning, our main place was um, HSS for sure. Yeah. That was where you went to. Um, yeah, I don't know how old he was. Somewhere 16 around 17, and we're delivering surfboards and HSS. And I met you, JLAR. Was it working? Uh, or is this loitering? I, I don't know how, if I'm allowed to talk, I don't know where it's all gone, but there, you're with a dude named John Baker. Yeah. And I met you guys. I'll crash. You guys, you guys were fucking hilarious. I was like, these uh, dudes are freaking funny. You know, like so good. I, I think, yeah, you're you're both younger than me. I think at the time, and I'm like, these dudes are. I, I think I probably was more like 18 then, but yeah, you guys were a riot. And Baker I was like, this is funny. great. Worked at HSS. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. He told us some funny stories, but I won't get into those. Yeah. Um, but after that, with my friends being in Newport, I yeah, I, I was just started surfing a lot more river jetties, and then that progressed me into um, 56th Street where I love surfing yeah, pretty much all the time. Not recently. The wave's really bad these days, but... Isn't that weird? So then I went to, I went to Surfside. Yeah. And I, was at, I, I, and I was in Surfside for a long time. Like, Duke always jokes. I think I was like 17 or 18. He's like, Ronnie, you need a job? You're always with this dude. Like, and I'm like, nah, I'm cool, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you do for work? I didn't want to work. I didn't want to yeah, do that right first, then. What was your first job? Um... My dad worked at San Anita Racetrack, so I drive out there and I worked on the labor union crew. He like changed my, changed my pass or my uh, birth certificate. Made me when I was seventeen, said I was eighteen. I worked on a labor crew and I walked around the paddock. When everyone lost, they would throw their papers on the ground. I had a little stick and I pick up their papers and throw it away. And that was like nineteen ninety. I was making fifteen bucks an hour. Nice, like. So that right then I was like, well, I'm getting money now. People like, are buying surfboards. And, yeah, yeah. Pe- people are drinking and yeah. boozing and like awesome. winning and gambling. So yeah. there's there's money to be around. There was there was money I'm around. Sure a lot of drunk people dropping money for sure. I'd find money. The the main one we do is after a, a race ended, 
a lot of people would get mad and like you said drinking and he'd throw all their shit on the ground and they'd have an inquiry which is like a horse bump someone and then they go back and they review it and it takes like 10 minutes and then they'll rechange like what horse came in what place so right then i'd just be picking up picking up tickets picking up tickets and i'm not lying like you got winning tickets every time. What? Wow. Yeah, I mean, some of them weren't a lot, but some were like fifty right. bucks, sixty wow. bucks. I'm like, yes. And you see people, they'll be like in the trash can, digging through, like trying to find their ticket. And I've just got a whole bag full of them, right? And they, right, and heard inquiry, just like ticket, 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 ticket. Just pick them up. Oh, I haven't been the horse races in a while. I bring up some good memories. I gotta, yeah, got to get there. Santa go. Anita. Santa Anita. Yeah. So that's out in Arcadia. So I'm, I'm like living in Downey, working in Arcadia, going to the beach. And my yeah. my friend's own beach houses in Newport. So we're staying there on weekends. We're just we were all over the place, and then we'd hear a swell, and we'd be gone. We're like up to Halama, and yeah. um, Mark Pesh told us about El Cap and all that when we were very young. So we got to surf that with four or five guys out. And so, so your buddy Pete found Pesh. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, Pete Boris. He worked for God. I think I swear we must have been sixteen. It's so hard to go back. I'm so old now. I'm brain dead. But um, probably around 16 he started working for Pesh because we were all surfing and he was making our boards and Wait, was he shaping at his house or yeah or, or shaping out of the, back, the, back, La, uh, the backyard La yeah the backyard stall yeah and then yeah then he went to La Mirada um, and yeah Pete just kind of he kind of towed me into all that yeah it was, it was kind of funny um, then I like through that I met Greg Mungle which we all know Mungle Mungle's yeah. a legend definitely um, I got in there and Where'd you meet Mungle at? At, um, at at his factory. Okay. Yep. Right off of Placentia. Uh-huh. Right, Placentia. Over. Pulled a sack down there. Oh, what was know. that called? But it was yeah, it was right by where it was Zuby's in. Now it's called Hanks Electric, but it was, yeah. Zuby's was there. Yeah. So we we just drop off shaped blanks there, and he'd glass them and do them up. And um, in between working Santa Anita, he's like, "Hey, I need help with fins. You want to start laying up some fins?" I'm like, "Sure, I'll start laying up fins." Like, like glass, like on, glass on fins. Yeah, Holy we. Greg, Greg's always been like ahead of his time. He's like, "Look at this!" Like oh. he was using official fins, uh, official fin boxes, and he's putting them in shortboards and then making his own fins to fit in them so he can swap fins out because he was the fin guy. Yeah, he and was. he blew my mind. You could have a board, and people need to realize if your board sucks change your fence because yeah. that, that was that was mind-boggling to me what he could do by changing fins yeah. so i'd go in there and we take triaxle glass and we're laying up tables of glass big chunks of them with and then and pop them out and cutting them all out temple in and we're cutting them and and oh it was just the worst oh i was just going ah triaxle glass my arms my arms are itching and everyone's laughing yeah. so then i learned you gotta start taping your sleeves up and, yeah so, so you, i you did you didn't work for Pesh, you just no. hung out with Pete. Yeah, I just hung out with Pete and worked for Pesh. And that's how you got the your first industry job was Through, making with, bins with yep, Mungle. Yep, probably around trip. probably around 18 years old. And he was ahead of his time because he was making epoxy boards and like featherweight for, for like Richie and, uh-huh. and like all the pros yeah. like to travel with. Like, hey, this is your like small wave like, you know, epoxy board. Because that's what it was only, you know, you wouldn't get an epoxy traditional board because it was just... Too light. Yeah, yeah. Greg, was, Greg was gnarly. Yeah. What I seen him doing there, Yeah, the dude would order a, don't quote me, but I think they're like two pound density foam blocks that go underneath yeah. the the docks in all the harbors and it holds the docks, floats the docks. He'd order those things and the guy made his own hot wire. He got a car battery and he wired it all together and the thing would get red hot and he'd cut his own blanks out of these things. Stringless, he'd cut them, no stringer, cut, he'd cut them out with his own rocker and he'd shape these things. 
What a trip. Oh, it was crazy. Then he'd glass them on with glass on fins, and they'd be under five pounds yeah. for like a 5'9". Like, they were so light. He was a MacGyver for sure. He was ahead he would of his time. in a wetsuit in winter. Oh, Jesus. Dude. <laughs> yeah, best. Oh, I'm not the... I, I, I go to the ranch with Greg, and, you know, I'm like booties and it's cold and he's just like board shorts jumps in i'm like this guy's got mental problems like i'm freezing right now and he's in board shorts he's crazy yeah, it's crazy good crazy though good crazy yeah How yeah fun. so i mean <coughs> we, mark mark pesh and then greg mungle and right then you get in mungle shop like i said earlier we were talking that's where that's where paul gomez came that's where quap came that's where mcknight came and bob hurley came and bob bob hurley loved greg and, and he just knew Greg was such a good surfer and he knew he had such potential. Those guys were always there. So yeah. 18 years old, I'm meeting the, the who's who. The, the yeah. who's who. I'm meeting the, the guys who were leading this charge right then, you know. Yeah. And it still wasn't big yet. It was like, it was. Percolating. It was it was percolating. Like Bob did have Billabong. Yeah. But it wasn't like they were, they weren't the king. You know, yeah, they the powerhouse. Were just, yeah. They weren't there just yeah. getting going. Quicksilver was like, grand. Jesus Christ, Quicksilver was huge. Yeah. It's got to be kind of rad and, and like inspiring and like trippy to all of a sudden, you know, a kid from Downey is in the heart of the surf industry, you know? It's weird. And you're meeting like, you know, you, I'm sure you saw Quack in the Water 56th Street. Yeah, all the time. You know, and you know who he is and what he's about and you're just like, holy shit, I'm like, I'm talking, I'm friends with Quack. Yeah. I'm friends with Bob Hurley, I'm friends with Bob McKnight. Like, that had to have been... It was, it yeah. was uh, yeah, for, you know, especially watching, you take it back to watching the hot summer nights and seeing the interviews and, you know, seeing like, like Pete, I worked later, you know, we talk, I worked for PT, but seeing PT at the beach, like, that's the dude that was on TV. Yeah. And yeah. like coming from that situation and just being all of it all, and now you're sitting out there going like, hey, all these guys live right here. Yeah. They're all like surfing Huntington Pier all the way to Newport Pier. It's like... All those guys were out there. So any any day you go out surfing, you could you'd see someone who ran some surf company. And at that time, there was you know just so many little startups too. Yeah. There was just a lot going on. So it's such a it's such so a you, weird dynamic with the with how you're bringing up like those guys yeah. who are running these companies who are like you're surfing with them. Mm-hmm. You know you know who they are. They're running these big companies. And they're getting you know like it's just it's so down to earth to hear like how these are real tangible small people small and yeah. and how like you know that that's your boss that's somebody you looked up to that's somebody else that's running this brand but at the end of the day you're, you're just this is another surfer just, just hanging out surfer just hanging and out. i think that that's what even it like attracted me more to it you know so what was your did did you were 18 working at mungles did were you still working at santa anita or no yeah i was doing i was that? i was still doing that i was you living I, I, in downey still? i was in Downey, my parents actually, my dad, my mom and dad moved to Texas to, my dad's opened a, he built a racetrack out there called Sam Houston Racetrack for horses. He's, wow. He, he did all the dirt work. He's he's just a heavy equipment driver and he, and he knows dirt, right? So he got hired <laughs> out there. So they moved and I kind of was just on sleeping at a buddy's house in Downey. And then I'd be sleeping at friends' houses in Newport and then just kind of going out to work and I'd work four days out there and then off three days. And my days off were like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So then I'd just go sleep on someone's couch and I'd be, and that's when Mungle was just like, we have a spare room, come stay with, stay with us. It was before they had any kids. I was just like, perfect. So I had this place yeah. in Costa Mesa. 
my friend had a beach house in Newport. I'm like, are you at the beach house this weekend? I'd go crash there with my friend Steve. And Life was so easy back then. Dude. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just out surfing. You're making good money too. Yeah, I was making good money at Santa Anita. And then with Greg, it was like, I was making good money with Greg. But it was more the experience. Yeah. We, would, we would, oh man, we could, we could have done a lot better for ourselves for sure. But we would, we would oh God, swell six foot north side piers firing up. Greg's yeah. like in love with it. So close shop and we'd go. Yeah, and we get back and it's five o'clock and it's like, oh, we got to get this done. Oh, well, let's go home and eat real quick. And then it was like, I'm kind of tired. Let's go to sleep. Oh, we'll do it again tomorrow. I'll shut the waves are up again. And then bam, we'd be surfing again. I'd be like, Greg, I was like the voice of reason sometimes. Let's get this done tonight. So we'd be in there till midnight, um, lambing stuff up. Like I went from doing fins to hot coating to lambing, and so you learn the whole game. I can I can make a board from start to finish. Including, including, yeah, shape, including making the fins. Look at this everything. guy. That's and that, that was that was my talent. But Greg and everyone in that industry, like, dude, I worked for I worked for Richie for Richie Collins. Yeah, nice. I was his hot coat guy, and I'd set his fins, and we'd lamb them up. And after Mungle or same time, same time, yeah, okay. same time. And I'd work for Lance too. And you work for all those guys, and it's just you hear it. You're like get the fuck out of this industry. Yeah. Like it wasn't like surfboards now, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we were we were barely making money on surfboards on customs and you had to almost give them away to get people to buy them and it's a lot of hard work. Like I get a lot of hard work. I get mad like when I saw CT guys like punch their boards and break their boards, I, I was like pissed off. I'm like, dude, there's a glasser at home right there who put his heart and soul to that board and yeah. you're making a couple hundred thousand plus a year and you're like beating your board up. I'm like, you Dude, that sucks. Like, yeah. don't do that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's hard when you're in that moment. And I wouldn't... Yeah. Jay's all, what? I hit my board once. Yeah. <laughs> once. I hurt my hand. I was yeah. over it now. But yeah, it, is, it's, it's, it is a... It's... Yeah. Well, it's crazy how the... How the... For, for the longest time, shapers, they're the unsung hero mm-hmm. of, of the surfboard industry. Yeah. You know, our industry. And it, it's really what makes surf shops, surf shops is a surfboard. Surfboards, yeah. And like you were saying, the profit margin for a shaper is like fucking, what, what do they make? Like 10 bucks a board? Sometimes, or, yeah. You know, you like, can, especially like you had team riders, you're losing money. Yeah. Because we're, 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 we're laminating, hot coating, and sanding. We still need to get paid. I think it was like, 15 for lamb at the time 10 for hot coat and 20 to sand like sanding you can have that job that's the job sucks yeah yeah um but yeah they weren't making money and it you know like when i look back on those days i think our biggest one of the guys we did the most boards for at that time was probably xanadu and you, you were xanadu glass and xanadus yeah wow that's cool yeah and it was easy that dude's a he's an artist yeah he has dots on his board and you bring his rail like his you you bring your edge on your rail to that dot if it's off he's pissed, you know like his his boards he was he was an artist so yeah he, he made yeah. good boards but he he didn't kill it you know at that time it was just Almeric I think yeah you know I think American Rusty American were, Rusty yeah. yeah yeah they were the first like big production brands like global brands yeah surfboard brands yeah you know outside of some others you know here and there but. I mean, most shapers were, you know, backyard, you know, backyard shapers, you know, your local, your local shaper. And like you mentioned, you know how to do a board A to start to finish. Yeah. yeah. From yeah. A to Z. And so that's how they would make, well, they'd make a little bit on the shape, you know, they'd make a little bit on the glass job, a little bit on, the, you know, to DIY every the whole project. And now a lot so, of it's subbed out, you know, they're like shapers like, Hey, I'm just going to do shapes and 
Some have in in house glass shops, and some just. Did, yep. Did you have aspirations of of becoming like go to college or graduate? You know, I I did around that time. I was still working Santa Anita and working for Mungle. I would get out of work and in Arcadia, and I'd go to Pasadena City College. Uh, me and my brother took business classes. We were like, it's kind of funny. We both. I was super into. I want to own a restaurant, bar, and grill. Like I don't know why. Maybe it was red onion or something. But I'm like, I want to own a restaurant, bar, and grill. Sick. Like I want people. Like I want to go somewhere where everyone's eating and drinking and having cheers. fun and like a party. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, yeah, it's funny you said. I loved Cheers yeah. as a kid. Like 12 years old, I watched Cheers. It's, it's yeah, it's so, it's so inappropriate it's, for a, for for a young kid. Yeah. I mean, but, we it was religiously norm and 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 and, and Woody. What's his uh. Oh, uh, oh, the the mailman, Cliff, oh, Cliff, Cliff. Cliff. Yeah. Yeah. But there, it was fun. It, it was, was fun. Awesome. That was well, that was. Where, where else can you go and have <laughs> great food and hot chicks coming in? Yeah. I mean, if you owned it, you're Sam Malone. You're, dude. You were Sam Malone. That's <laughs> pro- you know, you, that's a good analogy. That's probably why I was. I was intrigued with the guy. I think we did six months of college, and I already, you know, listening to Paul earlier, um, school didn't come easy for me. Yeah. I was, you know, back before. ADHD, like yeah. I was in trouble a lot. Like we, so we, you know, getting fights in school and couldn't pay attention, talking all the time, fucking off. Like yeah. principal's off. So mom's like, "What is wrong with you?" You know, and my mom would beat my ass for one. She's a tough little farm girl. My dad's a big was a big hillbilly, and he'd beat my ass. So it's like I couldn't really mess up too much. Yeah, yeah. But I was, I was just like, I just didn't excel there. It wasn't my, it wasn't my deal. I was way more my hands on, like building skin boards and skateboards and. I, I, I honestly, I, I realized that it, right then as I'm going to college, I'm like, this isn't for me. Yeah. I'm not going to be an attorney, a doctor. Um, I, and I was pretty smart, too. I was like, you want to own a restaurant, bar, and grill? You know what you do? Go work in one. You don't need some dude sitting here with a book telling you how to run a business. Yeah. Like, go work in one and figure out how to run the business. Did you ever do that? No, I didn't. Because <laughs> then I had... Then, then, <laughs> Then I had friends who worked in it. Oh, geez, what a nightmare. They're coming home at 2.33 in the morning. You know, they're not surfing till it's on shore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that. Plan C. Plan C. It was Plan C was surfboards. But, you know, working working for Richie's always very extremely, it's it's an eye-opener. Like, yeah. Talk about a dude who's ahead of his times. I mean, he was shaping and glassing his own boards at 12. You know, yeah. that guy's been doing, he's been doing it forever. And going in there and like, I would lay up his fins and you're supposed, he always wanted to use liquid, like just regular resin. And I'd use Cavacel, like a thick peanut butter paste. Greg always did it, so there's nothing wrong with it. And I had like eight boards set up. And that's back when you have to set the fins, side them, measure them, make sure everything's perfect. Tape them up, let them sit for 30 minutes before they dry. Because you can't go too soon or you knock them down, you fuck up a board. And Richie comes in and sees that I use Cavacil, walks by and just knocks all the fins off the boards. Wow. And I'm like an hour into setting these things. I was just like, oh my God. He goes, I told you not to do that. I, well, I didn't know you were coming in right now. <laughs> oh my God. But we're working for like Rich and Lance and Greg. Like Lance was a legend. He just hit, all he had was old stories. He was already done with the fighting and stuff. That was Richie's time with Contra and yeah. all that. And it, it was, it was an eye opener. It was like, you know what? I don't think, it just sounds like this isn't going to pay. Everyone is struggling, and I don't want to sit here like smelling these fumes. Yeah, you know. And I, I said in there like you flash. I said in there three, four years. Got got out of Santa Anita. Was like, okay, I'm done. I'm living in Newport. I mean, I was living in Newport. I think 19. Just we're we're out. We're done. Um, 
living with Greg and I was working for Greg and just did that for three, four years. No regrets at all though. Like I met so many people who had come through, through uh, Greg's, Greg's workshop. Um, sitting there one day and Luke Egan walks in and he's like, Greg Mongo. He's like, yeah, hey, Luke Egan, right? He's like, yeah. Hey, my dad sent me here. He said that he, all the fins he put on my boards are too big for Huntington. He's my boards are real stiff right now. And he says, go see Greg Mongo. He'll, Greg looks at his board. He goes, come back like in four hours. And he, he literally took a grinder, grinded off all of his friends, fins, put on new ones, laid them all up. Dang. And these are all glass, glass, all glass ons. There's no, there's no FCS yet. No yeah. future, no FCS. Yeah, right. And did Greg put those fins on? Uh, cut them off and grabbed his own no, no, fins no. from the beginning. No. Okay. Luke, Luke got off an airplane with him. He's surfing a couple of days in Huntington and his boards were stiff. And his dad told him, go see Greg Mungle, put some fins on. So I was like, oh, great. I just met Luke Egan. Rad. Yeah. That's freaking cool. Yeah. You know? At that time, like, Aki was my hero, so it wasn't Ock, but, you know, still it was Luke, because that's pretty rad. And I watched Greg do his deal, and Luke was like, oh, my God, the boards are 100 times better. I was like, okay, fins. Something to remember, fins. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny that you don't really think about that, really. I mean, we still don't, but... Or I still don't, but <laughs> <laughs> I, now there's just too many choices. You there know? is. I'm like, I don't have. Now a, you don't want to think about it. I don't. There's too many choices. I just want to. I, I wish I could go back to glass on some. Yeah. You know, just because I don't have to think about it. Especially when you get down to the beach and you have no key and your fins aren't in your board. Like yeah. before, I mean, the new FCS, the pop out ones. Those are. Yeah. Those are life changing. But I've been on a boat with a bunch of pro surfers and the waves are firing and no one can find a fin key. Like we were baffled. <laughs> Like, are you serious? There's like, fucks. Like, there, there was like <laughs> no tools yeah. to the. When, when, we're like, to the job. oh my god, where's our fed keys? And like, yeah. finally, someone like dug one out. And then there was like a line of ten guys like, ear, 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 ear. and I was just like, would have been a good day to have glass on. You're out there. Yeah. Oh, I took I took a new board down to, to lowers. Oh, new new traction logos, whatever. I'll put the fins on when I get down there. Whatever. I go down there and there's no screws. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, oh, I always kept like old boards. I would, you know, I break, I put the screws and I went back up to the car. Cause I'm like, oh, I remember there's a, there's a box with a couple of screws. They're, they're future screws and F- it was vice versa. They didn't fit I, all the way back up to the car, came all the way down and they didn't fit their wrong dyna- uh, diameter. Uh, and I was on. like, I was so mad. Oh, it's the so worst. So mad. That I'm was like, your, uh... if you're really good, you won't need fins. <laughs> <laughs> I was so bummed. Yeah, that's you, you know I don't know who that goes on, but usually yeah. when I, when I did sandboards when they started doing that, the standard, yeah, I put standard. those things in. And, yeah, because um, you know it was. I don't. I, you had to make sure they were not looking. Yeah, a lot of times if you on those future, especially the futures, there was so much like plastic on top. You had to grind them. If you grind them really hard and fast and hot, yeah. you shrink the hole a little bit. So you kind of sometimes you have to take a drill and open it up a little bit yeah. and get the screw in. It was. Oh. It was kind. Of, it was kind of interesting, but yeah, the guy, the, the sander is just like freaking out of here. Yeah. We care about Jay's board. Have fun at oh. lowers. Oh. So it sounded like you you were talking about fins. Was there an idea you had about fins or no? Not me. Okay. No, not me at all. That was that was that was Greg. He just had the mastermind. Yeah, he yeah. made his own machines that did all the foiling and. It was pretty wild, and it'd be like foiling some of he's them. Still doing like, it, right? Yeah, he's still he's still uh, laminating, hot coating, sandy. He's still he's still he's still busting his tail. Yeah, yeah, it's a that's uh, yeah a lot of resin, a lot of resin. I mean, the dude the dude was wild. He he just goes one day goes I want to make a weight uh, um, I'm going to make snowboards. 
<laughs> and he gets all these jacks out and builds his own molds, and he just starts popping out snowboards. Like, no you know, way. It was really cool. I don't know how they worked. I never, I didn't write yeah. any of them, but how but crazy. he was doing. He just that was. He saw that vision. and He goes, "This is it." He said, "This is where it's going. I'm gonna make money in snowboards now." So he started literally producing snowboards. Wow! And that was when the industry had probably maybe five brands. Yeah. But we all know where that went. The snow industry blew up. They went to like 580 snowboard brands, and yeah. then yeah. a few years later, it was back down to like 50 or something. So it was like another another miss, you know? Yeah. How long did you work at Mongols? Or, or uh, probably four years. Dang. Yeah. And how many? And all, the, all the way until I went until I started working at Rusty, which I think was around 23. And how many how many boards were like because shapers were getting a lot of boards glass like who yeah, were you, we what were, boards were you riding during that time during that time I was riding either Pesha's or or Greg's yeah and it was actually cool like for a guy like me I'm not serving contests I'm not a pro surfer I'm not doing any of that but yeah. Greg Greg he's such a talented surfer he'd watch me surf and we were all we all came from that 90s we were victim of, victims of riding 62 by 17 and a half by 2 yeah. <laughs> and it made my stance go wide. I'm hopping everywhere. My hair's flinging around. But I just thought I had to do it because that's what, like, Corey and ev- everyone was writing, yeah. you know. And Greg being old school is like, let me make you a board. And he dropped me down to, like, six six zero to, it's got, it sounds kind of funny, but it was, like, 18 and a quarter by two and a quarter. Yeah. And that sounded, like, completely out of control. So then Greg was, like. Uh, he was into the full he rail. He was into the full rail, everything. Yeah, and he, less rocker, wider. Like, he was definitely and, on Yeah, his, his, his boards and, and Pesh, too. Speed. Pesh instantly, like, that craze went away, and they all started making a little bit wider boards. And it, it helped my surfing so much at that time you needed to get help, you know, that, like. Because yeah. if you can't figure it out by the time you're in your 20s. Yeah. yeah. So what it's was gonna, your, it's gonna be a long thirty more years of surfing. <laughs> yeah. What, what were your first surf trips? Uh, Costa Rica, obviously, right? I think everyone in California probably Costa Rica. We were definitely one of the top. Yeah. Mexico is um, usually Mexico. Yeah. Costa Rica. We did like me and my my downy surf friends do. We just did a probably twenty years old or something. Haku Beach and Pyramosa. We pulled up the Haku. We thought it was the best thing ever. You know. <laughs> Oh my god, they were so just rookies. Didn't even know there's like pabonas there and shit, you know? Where they're surfing like Hermosa just getting pounded. Pig farms getting pounded. Hey, and a, like meanwhile, you know you know the freaking point breaks are yeah. all firing. It's just like state state park, but it's warm. It's like eighty five yeah. degree water. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the funny thing about when you you know, when you don't know, yeah. You just yeah. Hey, all you, you care about beers are two bucks, it's tropical, yeah. and you're not at home. You're like it's it. You're in fucking Costa Rica. It doesn't matter where if it's walled and uh, that was our first time surfing in board shorts, right? Like I didn't wear board shorts. In, I don't wear board shorts in California still, even though the water is seventy five. I'm like oh. short arm full, dude. I'm just like I'm cold all the time. So that was yeah, we were just winning. Yeah. And of course, back then it was like we had to surf from. We made it to Dominical all the way. Like we started in the middle and went south. Yeah. yeah. So strike one already. <laughs> Start in the middle, went south, and then came back to the middle and then drove up to up. Like Tamarindo, Tamarindo, and the Winter Witches Rock. Like we covered yeah. almost the entire Dang, that's crazy. Costa Rica in probably ten days. We were just like surfing, driving, surfing, driving, and now it's like take me back there. And now it's like Good one spot. one beach, <laughs> yeah. one hotel with, with your days. Costa Rica travel surf book. <laughs> yes, like oh, no, we had those. Yes, yeah. Like there was no like GPS, no phones. Like you're you're like hey, there's this wave. It's down this way, and you just drive and ask and pull over and. Make a few wrong turns and you'll it find was, the beach. It was pretty rad. It was uh, that one pig farm way. They call it pig farm. I guess it was a pig farm up and like chunks of cow shit. Ugh. Like cow 
meet. He floats out, and and it's where they hold longboard championship. Pretty mushy, but long left point break. And being a goofy footer, I was just like, we got there. I was blown away. I was riding lefts for 200 yards. They were mushy, but they were still like roundhouses and cutbacks. And like just that one trip, it was like, oh, I just learned how to kind of like, kind of learn how to like, f- like cut back and flow. Yeah. Like surfing Newport, it's one of the worst things you can ever do to try to get better is it's, it's everything is, everything then was go real fast and do a turn. And, yeah. and then it was like, try to do an air. So getting out on a point break was an eye opener because the first wave I caught, I think I was like literally 200 yards, like down from the whitewash, just like going as fast as I can. I'm like, Wait, there could be like eight guys behind me. I could be snaking eight guys, and I would not even know. I was just like going. I was like, "What am I doing out here?" Yeah. Like, waiting for the closeout. Yeah, waiting for the closeout. There's no closeout. <laughs> it's so funny. It's just like God. Oh my gosh. So, what was your next? Had your next job from? At that next job was, um, right to Rusty, How? and that was that was like a, that was, that's one of those dreams that you go. Wait a second. What? Darren Brillhart approaches one day and he's just, he's like, he, I, I need someone to help me. I need an amateur team manager. Um, I got too much going on. Wow. Um, so Brillo. Brillo. And I think, and I, if I don't, I'm not, I can't recall. I think it was, I think it was, um, I think it was Paul Gomez put a word in for me. Paul kind of probably not even knowing he really had a lot to say to me. Like he gave me a lot of good advice huh. when I was younger. Um, he helped me get a, when I left Rusty, we'll go to that later, but he helped me get a job um, with Globe Shoes and he, he had a lot of good advice because yeah. obviously after you listen to his podcast, it was like, dude, kind of have the same thing except, you know, Downey had some bad areas, but not, didn't sound like what he was doing. You know, I didn't have yeah. to deal with that stuff. We, we kind of just fought because we were idiots, you know, yeah. <laughs> just a bunch of dudes, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, Rusty Brillo came to me one day and he asked me and I'm like, what do you need? Is I need a guy who was pretty much like the perfect job for someone 23 years old living on the beach in Newport. He goes, I need a guy like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four hours a day. It's like packing team boxes, yeah, and shipping doing, off. Doing doing walkthroughs. Yeah. Like just these are the guys who are coming in, take them on walkthroughs. Like my first year there, I first year is, there it was rusty that. guys, man. Like one of my, one of the first guys I took on a walkthrough was Tony Hawk and his wife at the time. I was like, it's Tony Hawk, dude. Yeah. Taking him on a walkthrough. And so back then, walkthrough, so people don't know, like, it doesn't happen like that anymore. But in the old days, you just go through you, the warehouse, you just go the through the warehouse and, and you grab, you just look in boxes and throw it all in. Yeah. I yeah. was like, yeah, no, no inventory. Tony, Tony Hawk and his wife just leisurely walk up and down the aisles, yeah. look at things, and they, they go, oh, that's cool, throw it in. Oh, that's cool, throw it in. Yep. Yeah. And then I just give the box to a lady. She writes all up, seals it, throw the show the security guard out the door. Later, see you later. So, so did you know Brillo like just from surfing? Yeah, I knew or? Brillo from surfing. Yeah. Um, and were you guys like, I, good friends? Or yeah, you know what? I think that would go through like during my Pesh era. I became good friends with Todd Miller when I was pretty young. Okay. And I'd write a lot of Todd's hand me down boards because they were we were kind of the same size. So Todd would have boards and I would just, he'd be like, I'm selling this 150 bucks. I'm like, perfect, dude. Things brand new. So I don't like the airbrush. Oh all, the, all these guys are weird back. They don't like the airbrush. Oh. I'd watch Monty Thomas pick up a board. So funny. He'd pick up a board and he'd wiggle it back and forth, shake it do like this and go, here, Mark, I don't think it's going to work. I never <laughs> even put feet on it. He's like, oh my God, Mark, I'll take that one. Yeah. <laughs> so just scrap. So through, through Miller, I met Brillo, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then just surfing Newport, like, like. What everyone says, you surf Newport, you 
you run into everyone who's working in the industry. It yeah, was all right sure. there on 17th Street. It was like everything was there. Yeah. I um, find it like really interesting how people get their lucky breaks in, in you know what I mean? Like how you knew these guys and to, to get a job at that age in our industry, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to do because it's, it's not who, what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, right? absolutely. And at that time I was, you know, far from, far from the best surfer in Newport. You yeah. know, I was just, I had it, I fell, I fell in love at 56th Street. So I was surfing over there with all, all the like old school dudes. Um, that wasn't, that wasn't, the kids weren't over there. Yeah. And it was always a point break left. And I couldn't believe why everyone served 54th. But 54th used to have that wedge right. The cameras are over there. So I was over there and I always wondered the same thing. Like, out of all the dudes over there surfing that Brillo can choose from, like, yeah. yeah. Why'd you go with this dude from Downey who's, you know, I, it, it must have been, hey, he's got, like, I think Paul's like, hey, the guy's got worth ethics. Like, yeah. he's in Mungle's place. They're burning out boards. He's not, he's going to do right, you yeah. know? And when you're, you know, at the same time, you try to get that, you try to get the guy who isn't pro but thinks he's pro, and he be, he would be a great team manager, but they like to make it about them. Yeah. They want to be in front of the camera, not behind it. Yeah. So that's something you got to watch out for, too. That's the hard thing is, you know, so some perfect. of those guys can be a nightmare to deal with. It's like, yeah. you know. Yeah. A little jaded, a little, little like. A little pissed off. The, uh, yeah, little exactly. The shoulder, yeah, like, it's absolutely. So, so that was your, like, first gig in the wholesale industry yeah in exactly and i mean i would almost call that like at 23 that was probably my first like professional job yeah. santa anita was i was picking up i worked on a labor union i was like moving starting gates and picking up trash it was just kind of it could have been a complete career yeah my life would have been different for sure i probably would have owned a house way sooner than i did now you know like everything <laughs> would have worked right but it was like god you just you're working your ass off. I'm, I'm not. I don't want to do this. What is surfing? <laughs> but, you know, like you went to Rusty. Obviously, you got to end with Brillo, but like Rusty was blowing up. Blowing up. Uh, when I walked like, in that door the first day, I think they were doing over seventy or eighty million in sales. Yeah. PT was running the thing. He's like, "Oh, I've seen you, mate. Like I've seen you down in Huntington. Come on." And the interview was like, "You're hired." It was rad. It was like so cool. Then yeah. And Br- Brillo knows. You know, he he knew how it all worked. It was like yeah. okay. Start tomorrow. I think I was working from like 11 to 4. I come in. It was like, here, go to the warehouse, pull some stuff. You need rusty clothes. Like, what? Yeah. It's like, huh? And then here, order order some surfboards now, too. You need some rusty surfboards. You're you're, you're the TM now. And I'm like, so, so you've got to be shitting me. Like, did, I'm ordering did, were free Were you ever surfboards? sponsored before? Um, No, just kind of like flow stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, Scott Terry always took care of me when he was at Quicksilver. Um, he'd be like, yeah, cruise on and get stuff. I think everyone in Newport was on Quicksilver Flow at one point. <laughs> For like, sure. swear. Everyone, yeah. like, here's your stickers and here's, here's, here, have some stickers. Here, have some clothes. You're just like, take whatever I want, you know? Yeah. But I mean, that, that was, that was like the most. I, I don't even think I ever. I mean, that's I mar- mean, marketing 101. Like, that was their gig. It was yeah, just, that, you know, own the town, you know? Like, stickers, but, the clothes. But finally, like, on the beach. get something proper. Oh, that was, that was. Oh, it was tears to your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, wait a second. How, how many boards can I order? Order six boards. What did you just say, brother? <laughs> yeah. Six boards and go to the warehouse and pull clothes. It was just like, I was yeah. like, I was like, six brand new boards. Rusty's at the time. Yeah. I was like, I was and like, you're I, getting paid. I felt like a fucking king. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. I mean, that as a surfer, I mean, how old are we? We're old now, but get a new board. Oh my gosh! Dude. And not even like free. I pay for them. I'm yeah. happy to pay for any board, but I'm just saying, just to get that new board and put it on your Everything. arm and be just. 
that that excitement is still there. So so you're you're like kind of set. Twenty three years old, you know. That was that was, was the pay decent. Pay was horrible. <laughs> pay was part time and it was horrible. And you know, thank God that I had that Santa Anita job because I I so was always good with money. Too. I I was done with that. I was gone out of there. But I I I stockpiled money. Like I I held on. Like I had a bank account when I was when I was twenty two twenty three years old. I had a bank account. There was a there was a I had money, which yeah. wasn't a good thing either. Yeah. Because then I'm not making good money at Rusty, but I'm having a hell time, <laughs> having the best time ever, and yeah. living on the beach in Newport. My rent was 250 bucks. My bedroom looked out right at 56th Street. I'm like, this is this is the life, yeah. you know. So yeah, let's just say that bank account lasted about a year. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it didn't last long. Getting drinks with the boys, and then you know when you travel somewhere for living that Newport Rusty, life, living yeah. that Newport life. When I traveled for Rusty back then, it wasn't like you didn't have the company card yet. No, there was yeah. You know what? They're, people are pretty smart. I've actually never in my career in surfing anyone's given me the corporate card. No, which I was cool with. Like I was kind yeah. of bummed at Oakley about it. Then I was like, so hold on, you want me to pay for everything on my cards and I get the points? Sweet, I'll take it. You yeah. know, I'm doing 30000 a year on credit cards. I'm, I'll take those points all day long. Oh, yeah. Once I figured out all that out, because yeah. when we were all young, you, Jay, you probably did it as a pro server too. I was flying all these places and never once had like frequent flyer miles. Right? Stupid, right? I didn't have a credit card for miles. I didn't yeah. have like when I stay in a hotel. Like well, I wasn't building those credit card points. I don't think I figured that out till I, I was like thirty three. I was oh, like I was yeah. getting upgrades on every other flyer. Yeah. All these miles. I flew more. I, yeah. Lotto pissed you off. He's he's he's. <laughs> How dumb he looks. <laughs> he figured it out. He's figured it out. Yeah. I figured it out in my last... <laughs> no, I figured it out. You. He's a smart dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you figure it out, it's good, though. When when, I, when I'm getting on an airplane with, like, Seabass, and he's going to the back, and I'm just pulling up in, in business class with my champagne, like he's like, God. Like, <laughs> he did the same thing. It's like, you've been flying around the world, and you have no freaking flyer miles. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. I'm fine. I'll just sit back here. Like, you're crazy, dude. Yeah. It's way better up front. Way so, better. So, how long in... How long was the run at Rusty? So <clears throat> Rusty, I think I you started, learned a lot there. I learned a lot. That was that was crazy. I think it was. I think I started in like middle of '95, so four years out of high school. So you're like 23, 24 years old, and I started and kind of going into I think like August, and it was just there was so much going on and sitting in a room with PT and that mind of his, like. He's he's talking about like they're doing music, right? They're 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 like doing what Volk they were trying to do what Volcom did twenty years later with like their own record labels. Like we they were working with with Sublime and Austin. Like PT was onto that. He's talking about his own magazines, and I was just sitting there like green as all hell, just yeah. soaking it all in, going, "All I'm going to do here is make sure the athletes are happy." Yeah, you know, like Clonnie Clonnie Rob would come into town. It was like go get him at the airport. Yeah. Um, How many airport runs have you done? Oh, my God, dude. That <laughs> airport. Oh, man. I have. Oh, there was like U.S. Open weeks. I could get like 20, 30 airport runs in seven days. And, you know, the Aussies are always flying in at five in the morning. Hawaiians are always flying in like afternoon, evenings. It's just back and forth, back and forth. But PT knew it, you know, car allowance, right? Yeah. I had this truck and it's like, well, here's a car allowance. Something breaks, just turn it in. It gets fixed. Yeah. You get gas mileage. I'm like, what? Oh, this is cool. I'll save your receipts for food, you know? Yeah. That, that's where it really made it up. It was taking guys to dinner and yeah. and getting to be able to expense it. And it was like, okay, well, that makes up the bad pay. Yeah. You know, and if the car breaks down, PT 
and the chip six, in to fix it. And the six boards ordering six boards. Yeah, the six boards, right. And oh, then, and then you go to our house, like right, right when I started working there, then PT goes, you know, we come down, we have a barbecue at the house. We had a cool tight crew back then, man, like yeah. Johnny Munson and like Brad Drew. We had a good crew of people in and out of there. So we'd have beach parties at our beach house and like PT instantly was like, you got a beach house, 500 a month for rent for the guys that stay at your house. And I had one roommate at the time, my friend Penn, and we're like, he's like, I don't care. And like that first summer, it was just the, the Hobgoods were there all summer. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Martinez, we tried forever to get on, on Rusty, but it just never worked out. But he was always there. Um, then there's this like Aussies yeah, coming if- in and out. And you'd look in my kitchen, people would come over and be like, you can't be shitting me. Yeah. There'd be like 45 like brand new Rusties and paper just sitting there for people. You know, and oh, even if just, you weren't a team rider, and if it was a hot spot to hang, you're you're gonna, you know, we're all friends, everybody. So it's yeah. like if somebody's got a cool place to hang, doesn't matter who's flipping the bill, you're all yeah. hanging there. It was we were all hanging there, you know. Then they like bit a jacuzzi on the on the beach. It was just the spot. Yeah, it was. So you were it right was there the spot, on the beach, right on the, the beach. The, the keg, the keg was getting refilled every weekend. Yeah, the, we had the jockey box <laughs> with the keg, like. PT, like during Waterman's Ball, it was, you know, Waterman's Ball is a pretty big event. I'm pretty, I was pretty young and green. It's like everyone at Rusty's going to Waterman's Ball and, in you know, I, and I would never get, yeah, the tuxedos and stuff. And I, you know, I never get the call up, obviously. But PT, you'd have to drive them. Yeah, or, or I'd have to drive them all in the van or something. <laughs> oh, and I remember PT would just, he, he looks at me one day, he goes, hey, spend $500 this weekend on the Ronnieman's Ball at your house. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, Ronnieman's Ball. He's always 500 bucks. Since you're not going to Waterman's Ball, have one at your house where all like athletes are in town at summertime. So I'd get 500 bucks and we'd just throw a rager and we just have a party and all. And PT is epic. He is epic. Like, he, it, was, it was like, I just one, one of the best. Him today. I saw that too. I did. I, and, <laughs> yeah. But one of, the, one, of the, one of the most understanding bosses you'd ever have. Like, yeah. you, you get it. You're like, everyone's going off the Waterman's. Yeah, that kind of hurts a little bit. Yeah. And so he's like, Here, go throw a the Ronnieman's ball. It's like sick. That's so and funny. like half the crew that went to the Waterman's ball were all like back at our house. Yeah. 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 Is either the pre party or the after party? No, the, it will always the, yeah, always the pre and the after at that place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Might have took some years off my life that house. <laughs> so how long, how long were you at Rusty for? Rusty was until 2000. So about like five years. Yeah. Almost five years. Yeah. And yeah, that, and like I, I was saying earlier, I, I got thrown in in August and like I said, green is all hell, you know? Yeah. Um, list, coming from Downey, listening to hip-hop. You know, my surfing's gotten better. I, I'm meeting people. I'm figuring it out. But just green. And and that was, like I said, August. And all of a sudden, it comes October. And Brillo's like, pack your bags. We just rented Jerry Lopez's house on the North Shore of Hawaii right at Pipeline. I'm like, yeah, I know where that is. I saw the movie. You know? <laughs> I've, I've seen a... Have you been there before? No. I've, I've been to Pipe once before that and like Surf South Shore. Yeah. Uh, but never like... In wintertime. Wintertime that season. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, okay, here we Pack go. Packed bags you know? for like a long time? Like, you're not coming home till after Christmas. Wow. Like, so I'd, I would go there and miss Halloween, Thanksgiving... Christmas and come home in January. I was cool with it. it didn't yeah. give a shit. Just living, and I was third story. So that was your job. House. That was my job. Run the house. And PT's advice is pretty much like Eddie, Uncle Brian. Any of those guys come over, give them what they need. Just yeah. Just telling you right now, keep the wines happy, bro. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> oh, all right. I've already uh, watched like, busting down the door, and you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I've already. There's a. 
you guys probably you might know him, but my first introduction to like Hawaiian surfers were Hugh Foster and his brother Ryan Foster. And Big Hugh, he's he's on North Shore right now. He's they're just big, big dudes. They lived in Newport and Hawaii. Yeah. They came over and they would all come to our house. Like before, I was at Rusty. They they, they actually nicknamed me a Slade because I was always trying to do airs. So they're like making fun of me. They'd call me like Jimmy Slade from Baywatch, you know. <laughs> And those guys used to piss me off so bad, and they were so big. I was like, I'm going to get a bat. I'm just going to fucking hit this guy. They were just <laughs> Hugh, so... Hugh and what? Hugh and Ryan Foster. Hugh's a, he's like a... You'll see, and you'll go, oh, I've seen that guy everywhere. Yeah. But they were like the first like true Hawaiian surfer guys I met. And like we go out 5'6", regulate. Ryan would be just like, fuck are you? Get out of here. I was like... Big dudes. Big dudes. And we're all by ourselves. So I was like instantly right then going... These Hawaiians are gnarly. Like, you hear it. Yeah. But, you know, he was six, probably six, you know? Wow. Ryan was probably six, three, but like fit and pretty crazy, like just jacked, like, Rrr! so I'm going to Hawaii. Just all I got in my head is fucking fosters, up, and they're everywhere over here, right? Like, Jesus Christ. And then obviously, we all know, we, we all know the stories of Dahui and all that. Yeah. So, landing there was picking up. We had the, a big white Ford van. No windows, because you know that Hawaii. No windows. Don't want to see inside. Yeah. We called it the big white Howley van. And we drove that thing everywhere. We do airport runs. It had no seats in it. It had had like four or five uh, fold-up chairs in the back. We'd throw the boards <laughs> in. The guys would be in the fold-up chairs. Go around a corner. They'd fall out. You know, it was just like, it was so, so much like. So this is the first year. My first like couple months. Three or four months into this job. August. You started August. Yeah. Come October, you're on the North Shore. Jerry Lopez's house. Not on the North Shore. You're at Jerry Lopez's pipe. You're at pipe. I'm at pipe. Yeah. Because there's like a lot of cool little houses up and down the beach, and there's only like a few like right there at pipe. You wake up, and it's like, oh. I'll never never forget it. I I got in there by the time I got that van, and, you know, I was with Brillo, obviously. You know, I was just going to send me, you know, to the dogs just like first time, you know. And so we get there. We get to the house, and I just remember waking up, just looking outside, and full on like the North Shore movie like blue water six foot waves and back then we, it was it was empty over there in October like we get there I think it was October 15th to like January 20th October 15th it'd be four to six foot pipe and there'd be 10 12 guys out yeah it was crazy and you're like is this, this is early for real? season early season like yeah. early season was awesome and we get over there and get that house set up and the first it was like the first two weeks I had all the Groms there. Who, yeah, who's who's on the roster like coming over? Like Hobgoods or Hot, like yeah, Hob, I mean yeah, Hobgoods. Obviously, they went there and they were lunatics at a young age. Um, yeah. Billy Oswald. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that's funny you say that. I forgot about that. I mean Ryan Turner, yeah. Ryan uh, Turner, Dustin, um, Danny Nichols, Danny. Yeah, was he on Rusty too. Yeah, Dan, yeah. Danny Danny's, was like yeah. Danny was like one of our shop guys, but he yeah. actually surfed better than most. It's like some of our sponsored athletes. Yeah. It's like, he's the shop guy, but he fucking rips this guy. Man child. Man-child. Uh, remember Kyle Miller out of San Diego? Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Miller is a kind of a big wave surfer kid back then. Okay. So we'd have just like random, just in and out. So we had, at that time, we had our amateurs, like your, your NSSA. You know, these are the kids we're going to hang, like Ian Rockins. Like guys we're going to hang, yeah. hang it on, like the next Hobgoods. Yeah. So I'm over there and, you know, half of them are scared out of their head. And I'm probably pretty terrified, but not going to show it because I'm cocky and stubborn. Yeah. You know, so I'd get myself in trouble over there surfing. I'd get the kids in trouble. It was yeah. pretty funny. They, they'd get mad at me, you know, and then they would leave. And then we had what, what we called like our photo chasers. 
And that was all your dudes who were strictly just getting the getting the R dot in the magazine. Yeah, like back then that meant something. You yeah. know, now we don't even have a magazine. And it sucks. It, it, so I mean, we, I mean, yes, we do. We have Stab, you know. Yeah. But it's not. It's you don't not, have Surfing and Surfer and yeah. Transworld. You're not. It, it it's was not something our, you you have in your hand. And you're just like yeah. memor, memorizing. You know. Yeah. Our, our my job was. We had Pierre Toste there, a photographer from South Africa, and yeah, we'd bring yeah. John Kepler in to shoot the kids, and we and it was wherever the waves good. We drove and we surfed, and we got photos, and we submitted to the mags, and yeah. we just and PT was gnarly. He would he would take the two mags, surfing and surfer, and at the end of the year, he'd say he he'd have all the pages cut out of the magazines of who gave us. The most love, and he'd be like, "Hey, surfing, you gave us more love than surfer last year, so you're getting you're getting the nut, you're yeah. getting the bigger payoff for next season." Yeah, you yeah. like, I mean, obviously he knows everything. PT, when it comes comes to that, I was like, "Oh, yeah. that's smart." Yeah, I get it, but that was our job, and then it would come into, you know, November, December, and then it was the QS and pros, the pros pipe. Yeah, <clears throat> that was. Uh, I mean, so at the team they had. Kalani was Taylor Knox on the team at that. Shane Powell. Ta- Ta- Shane Powell. They were all there when I first started. Yeah, because that was pretty. You said '95. So yeah, I think about a right. year after that. And they all started. Rusty went after snowboards and wakeboards. Yeah, and we had to free up money, and that's like we we hung it on the Hobgoods and a bunch of photo chasers and all these other guys, which it was. It's actually kind of what the industry's done now, you yeah. know, like less is more. Just put it on the guys you believe in. Um, but yeah, that first year was crazy, yeah. like crazy. I'm sitting, I walk outside and, and Kyborg's there. She's just looking at me. I'm like, hey, PT, just to introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Ronnie. He's like, hey, so, Kai. He's like, I'm running the Volcom stuff. You need any help over here? Just let me know. I was like... Oh God, thank you. He's nice. <laughs> he's friendly, you know. And, and, tear your head off, but he's friendly. Yeah, he's tear your head off, but he's friendly. I was like, oh, thank you very much. I'll, I'll let you know. He's yeah. like, you know, he gets it. Hey, we have parties here on Friday, Saturday. You could have Sunday through Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I remember, the kids were just, you know, kids will be kids. They're all not cleaning the house, and I'm snapping and yeah. Yelling at kids because that's I mean let's go into that a little bit glorified babysitting. And you're a den mother, yeah, total den mother. Because right? I mean you're a lot a camp of counselor, yeah, absolutely, right? Like, yep. but but not getting the kids to the surf spots and making them paddle out at you know eight foot pipe and you know all the stuff that you're trying to help you know further their career. But like literally, you're you know fucking making these kids making sure they're picking up their fucking trash doing their dishes you know like you're not pissing off locals and yeah not, and not pissing off locals you know and that that's what i did right watch out you know like hey don't don't you know don't leave stuff out it's gonna get stolen and hey you know don't you know like you're a freaking didn't yeah, yeah like yeah. yeah sun goes down and back then it's not like the north shore now back then it was like sun went down doors were shut you guys are inside yeah we weren't there was no leles yeah you know there was you know holly of joe's was there whatever i think it's chart house in but we'd hit that every now and then but we weren't we it weren't low, we weren't going we really were going to the bars on the north shore we were, there was no girls around we were no we were surfed out fall. we were asleep by eight thirty nine every night yeah. you know um and what when a we, trip to be you know working hard at a warehouse or not warehouse a factory mm-hmm. surfboard factory and Taking taken out of the Newport Shores to the North Shore, and you know you're not making a lot of money, but the quality of life and your surroundings and the potential of your next step, you know, you're like, whoa, like 
yeah, I'm not making a lot of money, but look where I am. Yeah. Look and, what I'm doing. And there was not even at that point, there wasn't even a next step. Yeah. It was like, I'll do this shit till I'm 80. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sweet. I don't need a Mercedes. I don't need a house. Like, I'll just be traveling around surfing with all the guys, you yeah. know, at, the, at that age. And, um, learn, you know, you learn a lot over there. It's funny. I watched. So did you check charge pipe? I, I, being a goofy footer, I just, I, I fell in love with that place. You know, I don't want to say that I charged it, but I surfed some goddamn big days out there. Yeah. yeah. Like, I remember a day I paddled out on like an 8-8 and it was second reef onshore and I only did it because the kids won it. And yeah. I was like, you got to fucking do this. You guys are getting paid. Yeah. Like, I'm getting paid. I'll do it. And I got out there and it was just Mike Stewart and Kainoa McGee on boogie boards. And Mike looked back at me and just started laughing. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, fucking kids won't come out here. So I told them I would. And that was the first time I experienced like, like gigantic second reef, like three-story houses passing by you so going you really paddled fast. paddled out there. Paddled out there and caught one wave and made it to the beach and was like, came in and was like, pussies. Yeah. <laughs> Went to my room. I think I cried. I think I was terrified for like a week. <laughs> you know? You're like, oh, I had to Did you do that up. a lot? I did it twice. And I was like, okay, I'm cool with doing that. Never yeah. do that again. You yeah. know? That was, that was my, I like, I liked that part of the beach. I like pipe and rock pile and Brillo was Mr. Sunset. He tried to get me to Sunset. And yeah. Sunset's this, one of the scariest waves in the world to me. Like, I'd rather go... I'd rather surf any barreling, short, intense wave than Sunset. Like, I'm a lost dog out there. And obviously, Brillo, his nickname at the time was, like, Ken for Ken Bradshaw. Yeah. And he'd be like... And Dylan Slater was on the program, and he was nuts. He'd charge, and we'd be sitting in the car with, like... Eight eight surfboards. Jeff, look at that one. Look at that one. I'm like half a mile out. It's half a mile out, and it's washed all the way across. They're like, we're going out. I'm like, I'm walking back to Pipe House, dude. I'm out of here. I'm not going anywhere near that ocean. Like Sunset, you guys have all been out. It's no, not not all you guys. Lennon's never ever paddled out there. I paddled out by it. (laughs) I was at Cami Land looking over. I might have been on the South Shore, but it's by it. (laughs) That's by it. Yeah, it was definitely not a not a big wave charger at all. I just I liked I liked to try to surf pipe and at, and yeah. the cool thing was at at the young age you're pretty fearless and we had days where pipeline was pretty empty and it wasn't big you know but four foot five foot yeah and then some six foot day pipes and there's only ten or twelve of you out we're all getting a lot of waves yeah yeah you know That's like, what it takes I mean like to it, be able to like put yourself out there but you know be consistent and confident and you know yeah. Like so Mark, Mark Healy was probably 12 or 13, and oh. he was like, come over here, sit here. Like I had, I had like this young kid coaching me like what to do. Yeah. That was the other best thing. There's a um, Cade, I don't want to mess up his name, but he was split back then. Cade Oyamara, Oyamara he's an east, east, east side guy, surfed all the back door, like really good out there. He was there every day, and he was so friendly. He was the nicest one guy I ever met. He's like, hey, sit right here. Like he was showing all of us like what to do, you know. And then for us, it was like the best guys out there at that time were like Healy and and Rory, and we were all hanging together. So we were kind of surfing. We were kind of surfing pipe like it was the pier. Yeah. Until November, then it was like, fuck, what just happened? Like instantly, you turn the switch and. Jaylar's everyone's there like the whole world's there and you wake up and there's 50 60 guys out in the line and you're like so uh, what was that one dude Noah um, big wave charger Noah Johnson Noah Johnson yeah man. didn't he ride for yeah he was a rusty thing? guy yeah, yeah, Noah J. he was a badass I remember the first time he came in I picked him up at the airport at 76 like 
lifted Chevy truck with like the off-road bar in the back. And he's like, oh, yeah, full North Shore mobile. And I didn't get it until yeah, I went to North Shore. Oh, yeah, it's perfect over there, this thing. <laughs> yeah. He, he charged. He charged. And I remember he came in and. He won the Eddie. He was pretty underpaid too, and Brillo's like, give him whatever he wants. And I, I think I sent him out of there. Out of there, he's like, well, thanks, bro. Like, I think I sent him out. Like, the whole island was taken care of. Yeah. Like, probably the biggest box he's ever had. Brillo's just like, take care of him. He's a little underpaid right now. He's blowing up. I was yeah. like, okay. So crazy. he charged, yeah. What other uh, like rusty trips did they say? Okay, hey, we are, we going like to Oz or Europe or no? I got kind of barred. That's like just I got Hawaii, yeah. which is fine. I'll take it. The only other thing I got was uh, we when we created that rusty Grom fest. Which pretty much, that was PT's mind again, that it pretty much invented like amateur competition outside of NSSA or Calvary Chapel. Like it was a rusty event. It was free so to the kids. It was like the Grom Search. It's just, yeah. it, it, the, Grom the Grom Search Grom came, search. it was way before. Yeah, this is yeah. 90, 96. And my second trip after I got home from Hawaii was we'd land in Boston and we'd rent all these cars and we'd drive over to... Well, where was the first stop? You're uh, talking Boston? East Coast. East Coast. Really? And we would fly. I think one time we flew into New York, drove up. One time was like Boston, and we we drove into, um, oh, geez, the surf town, like with Ruggles, the right point breaks, and the oh, the gnarly Long surf Island. shop order, the guy Sid who owns a surf shop back oh, there. Oh, shit. Yeah. Not Long Island. I, I don't know. Not New Hampshire, but oh, my God, what is wrong with me? Probably like Ian, Ian Walsh's family, I think, is from there. But were you guys doing like, uh, like, like signing, like posters? Yeah, signings? we were. You know, yeah. Like, yep. like we had athletes with us, and we we would start up. Sid, the package. We'd start up there, and it was intense. We drove all the way down to. We'd end in Florida, wow. and then we'd fly to Puerto Rico and run one. And wow. it was like we have athletes in the car, and of course, you get done with an event. They're doing all the autograph signings. We go out with the account that we partnered with. Yeah. And we party. Yeah. yeah. And then PT is like 4 a.m. Like, all right, cars are loaded. Let's go. We're just like driving. And it's like, okay. So then it was like next stop, New Jersey. Yeah. And it was like blow up in New Jersey and, you know, take uh, Chris Ward to the casino and oh lose Chris Ward. <laughs> and then can't find Chris Ward the day of the event and start, you know, calling a few of the police stations. And yep, found Chris, like fell asleep in a limo or in a taxi. And I agree with Chris, like, the dude. Like we're in Jersey, the guy robbed him. Atlantic City, like yeah, stole yeah. his wallet, and Chris didn't have money to pay the taxi, so he got arrested for it. So we got him. It was all good, but it was just like drama, drama. The babysitting, and then it was you know another party that night, and then a drive again to Virginia, then Virginia, then North yeah. Carolina, then South Carolina, then Florida. You know, by the time you get to Puerto Rico, it's like God, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I mean, that's like two months, right? Oh, we did it all in like. 22 days or yeah. so 21 days yeah it was wild it was we had a surf event every it was in the summer so it was every three days so we there, there was one of the drives was hideous so many ferries you gotta cross on the east coast so many yeah. ferry rides and yeah. one of them I remember I just had the window down I had my head out the window and I'm like I'm, I'm crashing I can't, I can't do this it's 2 in the morning we're an hour away I'm just like finally find a gas station South Carolina somewhere and <clears throat> I'm getting gas and I'm looking at PT I'm fucking tired PT and he's like me too we're, we're almost there and then this truck pulls up with these hillbillies in it and I'm like oh Jesus we're all surfers the plates are all New York plates on the renovans I'm getting gas and I hear this dude he sounds drunk full south full accent like full yeah. hillbilly accent he's like snapping on his chick 
some kids come out of nowhere, like why he's getting gas, and like smack him in the back of the head and fuck with him. And he knows him, but he's hammered, and he literally looks over at his chick and goes, that's it. Fuck you kids. Hey, give me the shotgun off the rack. And I'm just getting gas going, yeah, I'm going to walk on the other side of the car. The kids are all, he ain't lying. And they just took off running. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to get shot like 2 in the morning in South Carolina somewhere, like on these back roads because there was like a shortcut we took. Oh, it was wild. That was wild. So that was, that, it, it was all fun, right? That, yeah. that was, that was the work of the job though. Hawaii was the fun. That was like, yeah, yeah. that was work. That was, but it all paid off. I mean, Rusty was huge on the East Coast. Huge. I mean, it was huge everywhere, but, yeah. um, you know, growing up, you know, here on the West Coast, you know, you think, oh, surfing's, you know, it's California and that's where all the swell is. And then, you know, East Coast, it's fucking big business on the East Coast. It's huge. You know, and then the it's brands huge. that invested on the east coast like and spent the time and did mm-hmm. that stuff like i think there's more east coast tours than there is like a west coast tour for sure right? agree yeah like agree. there's one big u.s open extravaganza yeah but then maybe um, maybe a santa cruz event maybe yeah. another event if they could put, pull something together but, but they yeah. didn't do like a like brands that didn't do like a up and down the east or western seaboard Mm-mm. like east coast everyone did that yeah like you know, everyone yeah. did like a, a full from Maine to fucking Florida. Definitely. Yeah, we, we, we ran the Grom Fest on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, and it was successful, but it had it, it didn't have the impact like the East Coast. Yeah. The events were triple the amount of people, triple, triple the amount of like stoke. Like, yeah. I can't believe you guys are here doing this. I wouldn't believe how much you would hear that because it was, it was the first... It was the first anyone's ever just loaded up and said, here, show up to the beach, free serve contest, just enter. And free food. It was yeah. all paid for. Yeah. And then and then winners got rusty surfboards, custom rusty surfboards. And I mean back then we were making watches and sunglasses. Yeah. We were making anything you could make they were making. Did, did right? you cross over with Paul Harvey? Um no, I, I was out of there before Paul okay. before Paul. Yeah. I think I was like months. Yeah. Just months. So Shuey, Shoemuller? Um, same. Yeah. I was I, I was like PT Brillo time, yeah. So so you did Flat five years at Rusty. Five years at Rusty, and then and then what happened? Like you, it was, I would say five years at Rusty. It's just like every job, it turns into a job. So Hawaii started to turn into more of not that fun anymore. It got real crowded. Um, that's back when it started getting pretty snapped over there. Like people were getting like a lot of fights in the water. And, yeah, you know the the boys were the boys came over from Kauai and were like we gotta get our island back and there was a lot of tension you know I thank yeah. god I was friends with all those guys but I saw a lot of shit and it, and it was crowded I wasn't getting waves anymore it, it yeah. was I wasn't making the money I'm, I'm now like away from my family more than I wanna be I'm just like fuck am I doing here yeah you know and then just like uh, we're, you'll hear it from me tons because the surf industry is not where it is because what went wrong with Rusty was they brought in a dude. I'm not gonna say names or anything, but they brought in a dude from the Mighty Ducks mm. to to run the marketing. Yeah. And the first thing he did when he came in was offended the shit out of me. Yeah. For basically being in Hawaii and doing all that, coming back and working with him for a few. You know, he came in in the summertime, and that that year we were going back to Hawaii, and um, he calls me in his office. He goes, "Hey." I don't need you there this year. You're just going to stay here and, you know, just computer work. And I'm like, well, who's going to run it all? And he's like, uh, Jeff Hambrick's going to run it. Burger from East Coast who just passed away. And we love Burger. He's fucking awesome. Mm. But I'm like, okay, all good. 
So I sit back and it's like, all right, I'm not now. Okay, so what, what's the money pay here? I'm not going to Hawaii anymore. I'm just going to sit yeah. here and I'm running spreadsheets with Brillo. Like yeah. Building spreadsheets and, you know, PT was traveling, doing things. And I like question the studios. You don't like it, you can fucking quit. And I go, all right, I fucking quit. <laughs> Fuck off. You're a coop. And I left. I just walked out the door that day. If yeah. you don't like it, he can quit. quit. Yeah. yeah. Brillo's sitting right there. Brillo's like, no, no, no. I go, Brillo learned me real quick right then. I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm a survivor, bro. I don't need this shit. I'm making yeah. like $28,000 a year right now, and I'm slaving in this place. Now I'm full time. Yeah. Like the 28 grand a year at that point was, that was a joke, right? And it, But it, it was just, that's what the job entitled. That's what the job paid. Didn't argue it. Yeah. yeah. But that Time three months talk. in Hawaii was yeah. what made that 28000 okay. Because yeah. that's where I saved my money to make it through the next year. Because I didn't spend my money when I was in Hawaii. It was yeah. their money. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. we did a lot over there. Like, oh man, the amount of surfboards. Ho- Hawaii is what opened my eyes to to like the big picture. Uh, that's when I was like, there's way more out here than just like just coming here to surf. This this industry is. It, that's when it was like. Definitely, it's, you see the it, whole world come together in one little. Area. Yeah, I, I said, I, and man, we and, we sat at a we sat in a meeting at Rusty and the the money behind it came in and said, hey, Bob Hurley just split from Billabong and he's starting his own thing, Hurley. And this is a joke. This is when we crush. This is when we crush Billabong. We're going to take him down right now. And, I, and I'm sitting there going, I know Bob real well. And I'm like, in my head, I'm going, I wonder if he's hiring, right? Yeah. I'm going to go work for the family. Like Bob's the best human ever. Yeah. And I remember sitting there, and I and I remember them saying that we are going to crush them, and I'm not even lying. And sick, remember it was like Hurley was it nine nine nine? Yeah. And I remember coming back in in six months, and those guys walking in, going, "They have, they got long legs. They're running. <laughs> they're 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 in every account we're in. They're taking our cells." And I was sitting there going, mm. and that's when they go, "We're going to bring in this corpo guy." Oh. The vibe changed. I left. Yeah, Brillo left. Yeah, PT the left. Cor- corporate guy, you're, you're not bringing in the McKnight or the or, yeah, or the, the Danny Quack or the Wooly yeah. or the PT or you know the Bob or, or you, for how corny it sounds. Having salt in your veins means something. It really does. You know, like, it really does. Having yeah. having a a business mind is one thing, but to have a business mind and have salt in your veins is another. Is another. Well, Absolutely. Okay. I mean, you look at. You know, Quicksilver and Billabong and Rick, you know, the, all, all the brands, have, they've been around for 40, 50 something years. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, they're doing yeah. something, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> you know, that, and that was, that was, when I walked out of there, I held my head, head high, you know, I, I did, I did great. That was yeah, a good you ride. You have a, you weren't looking for a job. No, I wasn't doing anything. I just said, peace out, I'm done. Like, yeah. I'll go, you know, I'll, I'll go do anything else i'm very handy in fact when i left there i wasn't doing anything for a little bit and i have a friend uh my my cpa son he was building custom harleys and he's like you know fiberglass right i'm like yeah he goes hey check out this seat pan he goes can you make these for me i'm like went in my garage out at 56th street got some resin and shit and started laying up harley custom seat pans <laughs> and i and he was buying them from me and he's putting foam on them having them wrapped and selling selling seat pans i was like I can make money. I know I can. I can use yeah, my hands yeah. to make surfboards. I didn't care. Yeah. You know. But then when I started doing that again, I'm like, fuck. I don't want to get in this resin again. Yeah. And that's when. That's when. Um, um, Split. Paul. Paul. Thank you. I was just Gomez. choking on my words. Paul Gomez calls me and he goes, "Hey, 
like straight up goes, call Gary Valentine at Globe. I got a job for you. Sick. And I call Gary and I only worked there 11 months because it was in LA and that drive was hideous. But that was my opening, my eyes opening to working like Aussie corporate. Yeah. Which was party hard, but but work hard. Yeah. Yep. You know, like that job was there at 8, leave at 5.30, Monday through Friday. There was no more surfing. Like waves are firing. And I'm driving away from the beach and I have to drive to LA. Yeah. Like Crenshaw Boulevard. I'm like. So that was like eleven months. That Is it one. in the world industries. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. They're they're not they're in a new one now, but so that one was fun. That one I had some trips. That's when I, <clears throat> that's when I got to meet like Taj and I mean I already met all those guys and knew them, but that's when I got to work with them, right? Yeah. yeah. And that was cool. And that was the shoe business. And that's when I realized like skateboarders are gnarly. Like how much money they're making on their. On their shoes. shoes? Yeah. I was like seeing checks go by. I'm like, Jesus, for shoes? What is this business about? Yeah. You know? And then... And they had Aki too. <clears> they right? had Aki and Taj and, you know, I ended up having like Hobbits on there. We had Poncho. We had... A, I mean, that team was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's the kind of... What was that? 2000 something? That was like 2001 probably. Yeah. Yeah. Like CJ, I think, just won a title or... Um, and the industry was blown. Industry out. was blown up. It like, was about that was the beginning. No, I think it was. It was like two thousand. It was before the before the trade center attacks. It might have been like might have been like towards the end of ninety nine. I might have been there like ninety five and a half at Rusty to like ninety nine and a half. Okay. And then I went there, and like I said, I was there like eleven months and off to split. Um, and so split what, was. What was your time? I mean, <clears throat> what what did you do at Globe? Globe was. I was the surf team manager. <clears throat> the skate guy quit, so then I became the skate team manager too, um, which was cool because then I got to do a few things in skateboarding. Um, I always grew up riding dirt bikes, and I always had friends at Race Moto, and you know, so I was always over there. And then all of us rode BMX, right? So we all had BMX friends, and that was kind of, and we all skated. But that was my first time. Like, I think it was Chet Thomas and Rodney Mullen and those dudes, like meeting those guys and seeing. <coughs> Sorry, seeing seeing that next level of skateboarding, yeah, you know, like going to like that basic pull over there and seeing what these guys are doing, it was like <coughs> was was gnarly. I was like, yeah. well, that was really cool. But um, my main job was there was contracts, product, um, and organizing trips or sponsoring movies. Real simple, yeah. Surf marketing one hundred and one. Just yeah. do it in your sleep right now. You know, all of us can. It's easy. And how hands on were those guys with like their their product and their shoes and stuff? Super like, hands on. They're like they're intense. Like that color is off. I want this stitch. And they that, were like they're on. Yeah, they were intense. I, me coming from like working for PT and Brillo, and going in that environment, the the Hill brothers, like one of them was going to USC uh, film school, and he he's he's made movies. The other one, like Globe Globe has. Back in Australia, I forget what their their corporate name was, but they had like they imported like twenty three brands over there. Yeah, the Hill Brothers were rolling. Like I would go to Australia, we go to went to their house and like crazy house, and they would take us. You know, one day they're like, "You want to go to the Australian Open and watch you know women's tennis, or do you want to go to the racetrack and get in a Porsche with the number one racing guy?" I'm like, "Porsche, please." You know, yeah. so they, they it was fun. Yeah, it was, it worked everything. hard, party hard. Yeah, um, I probably would have been there a lot longer. I just wasn't. I wasn't moving to Torrance. Yeah, I was like, I have surfing up here. I'm not moving here. It's, it's not that LA vibe was not my vibe. Like I already, I already lived in Downing, did LA. Like I don't need to. I don't yeah. want to do that again. Yeah, the 
traffic and the commute add that on your your schedule and you're like missing surf i mean it, it wears you down you lived in newport then right yeah that try was yeah when i <clears throat> hour plus every day when i left Huntington surf and sport i worked at podium yep and podium was you know in that same area pretty much yeah, yeah. a little bit closer than what you had to deal with okay dude it's a from huntington it's 45 minutes without traffic. Without traffic. It's two hours. Yep. With. <laughs> yeah. I remember the night I lost it. It was a Friday night and some, I'm at the 405 at Costa Beach and a semi went through the center divider like on south, northbound going south and like wow. flipped over, shot rocks, freeways closed. And it was, I, I got there, it's like 6.30, it's summertime, the sun's still kind of out. All my friends are calling me like, waves are fun, we're all having beers on the beach and I'm just sitting there. 9.30, I come walking in the house. I just went to my room. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. Crazy. And I was like, that's when I went. I had to find a new job and split literally like three days later. Mark Sperling's like, come interview. I'm like, oh, geez. That, then you're kind of like, well, God, I'm, I built a program at Globe that's kind of working and it's fun. Like, this could be the career. But at the same time, once again, I never was very like money or career based. I was just... Yeah. I got to get my happiness back. So. Yeah. And that's a bummer to leave somewhere that you, you have a good connection with and, yeah. you're, and you're stoked at, but it's just like the lifestyle is, is it's, not, it's not always the money. It's not always you know? the money. And, and that one didn't end bad. Like me and Gary are still friends and we, we held our relationship. It was, you know, he was mad at first, which he would be. You put 11 months of time into someone. I didn't know that back then. You know, yeah. now I get it. Yeah. Well, that was kind of, you yeah. know, you probably should have thought about that before. You know, you should have probably thought, you should have did that drive one time and said, I'm not taking this job. Yeah. yeah, you know, but then I also didn't want dirty resin hands again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, well, you, you know, honestly, it's it's a hard thing to decide or not to decide on on having a a, a job like that. That's like a killer job. So yeah, the traffic, you, you, any place you go, you're gonna have to make a sacrifice, right? And I mean, I can't believe you lasted that long. Right. Yeah, I, I I was surprised myself because yeah. I have like driving anger issues. Ask my wife. Yeah, yeah, she's always like, "Calm down." I'm like, "Get the hell out of the way." Like, they're yeah. they're a little bit more uh, serious about the nine to five thing too, right? Oh, there was <clears throat> like, yeah. there's no if like you know you're to go you're, to you're you're there. Yeah, yeah. Ways are firing. Doesn't matter. And like five minutes late, where were you? Yeah. What happened? Yeah, accident. Shit, coming from forty two miles away or forty five miles away. Like, yeah. can't make it every day at eight thirty or whatever. I lasted you, you, six years at Podium. Yeah, you did. That yeah. wasn't as far. You didn't last six months when you went to downtown LA. <laughs> That's a different job and a different circumstance. <laughs> so shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, right now you could be like, hey, here's a quarter mil. You got this job downtown LA. I'd be like. <laughs> I'll go sleep on the streets, dude. Like I am not. I am not driving to downtown LA. And, yeah, like, those downtown LA. Oh, that's horrible. Um, but anyways, the the podium thing was the the vibe was amazing. The people were amazing, and they were blowing up. We it was half day Fridays too, so it wasn't really like oh that helps. You know what I mean? Like it yeah, wasn't, that helps. Yeah, yeah. And I I probably could have like went surfing more and and gone in late, but I didn't. You know? Didn't, yeah, yeah. But the podium was blown up. I mean, those shoe companies, they were Dude. blowing up. <clears throat> I can't believe how big that industry was for as long as it was, too. <clears throat> like, I, I, la I worked there from 2002 to 2008. And at that time, DVS was the best 
not the biggest probably, the best. but the best skate shoe in in you know in the core market mm-hmm. for like six years. I was like wild. Yeah, I didn't know any better. You know, I'd go to shops up and down the West Coast, East Coast, even in like the Midwest, and we'd have you know fifteen fucking SKUs of DDS. And then other people would have like five or six or whatever. We would own, you know, 50, 60% of the wall. And those surf accounts got rid of like 30% of product out of some area to like build this shoe thing up. Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't always like you didn't go to, you didn't go to a surf shop to buy shoes. No. Yeah. Well, we, where we came from, from Hunted Surface, yeah. like it was sandals. That's it. That shoe sandals. wall was sandals. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't a shoe wall. It's and like, then, hey, and we're and you being at HSS and me being with all these brands, we know how it all works too. Yeah, owners, buyers are meeting. They're like, hey, you see this, this uh, product over here? You know, whatever it is, it's it's not moving. It's not checking. Get it all out of here. Tell them to fuck off. Yeah. We're putting DVS right there. <laughs> yeah. Like we're putting a shoe wall in. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the business is like we got to turn and burn. Like so, if something you know, like something's not moving, you got to freaking replace it. If Absolutely. Hot, yeah, I mean. So, so you were there for eleven months, and you said, "Screw this out." Yeah, without another job, <laughs> without another job. <laughs> like, I, I mean, let's think this through. Let's get another job before. Yeah, I get, no. Split was split was on the radar, but I didn't have a job yet. So it was a conversation I had with with Gary. I said, "Hey, listen, I have an opportunity," and he wasn't happy about it. Um, he was friends with one of the split guys, so there was some back and forth and. And he was like, good for you. Best of luck. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. And then I just split was easy. It's every every job I interviewed for back then was not like it is these days. It was just like, oh, hey, what's up? We yeah, got to do cool. a background check before we even have an interview. Yeah, and like 16 <laughs> backups. Talk, like, hey, this guy wants to interview you. That guy was like, what's going on here? Yeah. You know? And then split was cool. That was another short-lived one because that was after 9-11. And um, I think it was like six, eight months after that, they just lost all their cells in Hawaii and Guam, like, Traveling was down. Yeah. Um, so that was another one. <laughs> oh, out of split now, and I don't have another job. <laughs> so you were only there for... No, I, I was there like a little over a year, I think. Okay. Um, but split was split was one of my favorites because... Moto. They were everything. Yeah. yeah. Like, Skate, like, surf. Yeah, that's... That was, yeah, all, all that. The Mark Sperling is a really smart dude. Like, he... When when I got there, like in one year, they got that brand like from five million to nine million or to fourteen million, I think, in a year. It was blowing up. Like yeah. that was the one I was like, I'm in here. I like this. Yeah. We had a skate park in there. I would go skate the park with the skaters. I'd ride BMX with the BMX dudes. Um, there was music going on. It, it was like we were going to warp tours. Like that was that was fun. So and unfortunately, the nine eleven attack. Yeah. They just it, it had nothing to do with us. They just lost cells. Yeah. You know. Were you hanging with uh, Joel Nelson? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Fucking wild man. Nelson's Nelson Bros. The Nelson, the Nelson Bros. <laughs> what's What's funny about Joel though is like, yeah, I hung out with him, partied all them, but back and you would remember, I we were all like, who's this Joel Nelson guy? Because he was dating Jody Downs, like when we were sixteen, doing all these little surf events, and Jody was like the super hot Surfside girl. So all of us were like in love with her. And then like Joel's date and we're like, fuck this Joel guy. And then later I'm like working with like, oh, this dude's a legend. Robin the cradle. Uh, Joel is so epic. He was epic. Yeah. So, so who interviewed you at, at Mark Sperling? Yep. Okay. Sperling was my boss. 
I don't know if I know Mark Sprague. Was was Scott Vandripe still there? Yep. Okay. The, the Scots were there, and Dave Petrie, and it was it was still the owners, and yeah, they had a cool warehouse. Um, it was it was happening over there. Yeah. It was doing good. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, I brought in a little bit more motocross, like racing, into it, and had a, a guy I became friends with linked me up with this kid Grant Langston so we had him on the program and he he ended up being a champion like split on his helmet and we were doing a lot of fun stuff yeah and it was cool for me because was it Kerry Hart part of it yeah Kerry Hart like Kerry Hart Mickey Diamond those guys kind of in the moto side they put split on the map yeah I think that was when like Kerry like did a backflip or something he was a split guy yeah he watered himself but he did it it just went, went everywhere it went viral you know before and, shit went and, viral and you you when did you start riding you said you rode motorcycles as I've a kid? been I've been riding since I was five yeah um, on and off but at that like during Rusty we were riding a lot yeah. I tried to get Rusty to go into moto like we had a meeting with Jeff Emig and Rusty's like we're not going moto you know. We we all thought it was smart, you know. Quicksilver went after a bunch of people went after it, and it just didn't it didn't really pan out. Yeah. That fox head is just so damn powerful, and yeah. in moto, you know, you're, it's hard to sell a Quicksilver shirt to a guy who like at that time people who went to races and who bought motorcycles they were like die hard. This is what we do. We're not surfers, you know. Everything's changed now. Everyone does every sport now, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, that was yeah. Those guys were that moto scene. That was just like X Games. Just blew up. X Games Moto. That's when it, it just put Moto on the map. Yeah, and skate. skate and skate. Was, Everything too, yeah. Yeah. Skate, Moto, music. The whole the whole action sports package was blowing up at that time. Yeah. Right? People just want to go have a good time, be entertained. It wasn't so much of like, you know, I want to go watch a specific athlete. Maybe, maybe some. I mean, there's definitely people that are there to go watch their favorites. But it's like, yeah, the Warp Tour and some of these events where it's like, dude, music and skate and bmx yeah. and moto it was just like a fucking kick-ass weekend it was mccalla jones was that who'd you put on your team yeah mccalla was one of our top guys um oh i'm so bad with names sometimes we had a lot like we had a lot of good steve cooney was on the program the maui kid yeah yeah um, um josh curran yeah yeah that's uh, right the curran brothers josh was on the Shiano. program Sean Yano. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, you. Lennon's got a good memory. Yeah, you do. I, I, would, I, I wouldn't have said that one, but yeah. You know, if we had magazines today, you know, we could probably, you know, whip out a bunch of names, but yeah. those are long gone. Those are long gone, yeah. So, so you, you were only there, though, for a year or something. A year plus, yeah. So then what happened? Um, I think that's, I think that's when I just kind of pieced out a little bit. I kind of like, I think that was my first time in life. I said I need a reset. It was like every, you making better money too. Or? Yeah, I was making better money for okay. sure. You know, and then it was like I can always fall back on the surfboards again. And I was doing little odds and ends for money here and there. And it was kind of like a reset and figured it out. And living then, in Newport still. Living in Newport, yeah. I, I I lived there until I got engaged, and so I think that was I was there from twenty to thirty. Three or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 13 years on the sand. I was like, I'm not leaving this place. It is too damn cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and your rent wasn't bad. No, man. At one Living point, on I was paying 250 bucks a month for a bedroom on the beach. What? And then at, at the other point, I had a... When, when I had that house to myself, like when Rusty was chipping in, and then I a few of my roommates left, and I was 
I have the house to myself. I got one roommate. Yeah. We were paying eleven fifty for a three bedroom, one bath house on the sand in Newport. I mean, the place was indoor camping when the Santa Ana's yeah. blue. Like your hair would move and stuff. Like it wasn't nice. It was a total surf shack dump. The it didn't carpet matter. stunk. Like yeah. it didn't matter. We're location, location. You're location. never you're never in the house. You just slept in there. That was yeah. it. You know. Yeah. Um, Who was your roommates? Um. Probably the most interesting one is uh, Mark Darren, Mad Steez. No way. Yeah. Sick. Mark Matt Darren? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Because we worked at Rusty together. Yeah. Him, yeah. And, like, him and Kingsley Aarons were our art guys, and Mark was like an HSS kid. Yeah. And he started working at Rusty. That dude was talented, but he was... He made he was, my first HSS catalog. Did he really? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. He's, yeah. Done, he's done really good for himself now, but back then, I remember I'd wake up two in the morning, and he's just out there with like this big piece of wood on the wall and he's sketching and painting and he's like, ah, and he was wild in the head. I'm like, dude, you're, what is wrong with you? Go to bed. Yeah. But his he, head was he moving. his head was moving and he, he, he would stay up all night painting, doing crazy paintings. I can't believe how much of a artist he is, like in the true sense of the word. <laughs> oh, he's brilliant. Like, yeah, I mean, the, brilliant. the art, yeah. the, the art and I love when he does those, you know, uh, time lapse or whatever and yeah. just like it looks like nothing and then as he pans back and yeah brilliant yeah sure. I mean to to when you watch those time lapse things yeah. and you, you see how big the picture is yeah. and you're just like that wait scale. and he does it by hand so crazy you know like how yeah. the hell do you like so he put what your is in your mind to do your hand onto the wall, you know, like yeah, wow. not and it's not this big, right? Yeah, it's, it's like it's the size of massive, a building, like built side of buildings and stuff. With, yeah, with like with jacks and paint. It's it's so wild. You guys were roommates. Yeah, oh my. him and Kingsley were all roommates at the same time at one point. That was pretty fun. And then just a handful of my like a few of my high school friends, and then um, I had so many roommates that didn't pay rent or even live anywhere, like in my house but we're like the Conforti twins these kids from Florida they're hilarious like I'd come home from work and they were there I'd wake up to go to work and they were there then I'd wake I'd come home from work and they were there it was just like the house was just the slumber pad like everyone I mean until I got older I was like alright guys find homes yeah you gotta get out of here so so split you quit you needed a reset what did you do um back to like a little bit of surfboard stuff here and there um thought about going oh, maybe I should bartend or something that's what Beatty was doing at the time or one of my other friends and then I was like no nah, I don't think I'd be a good bartender because I'd, I'd drink just, it all I'd drink it all I'd be there I'd like finish work and I'd be there drinking I'm like probably not a good idea to be a bartender um, <laughs> and, and pretty quickly <clears throat> another <clears throat> short lived a, a few things popped up for me which was Alpine Stars which it was a repping position and trying to get it into surf so that was my first repping experience and first time doing that. That's difficult. Alpine Stars. Yep, Alpine Stars, Moto, Moto. Moto yep. That was difficult. And at that same time, I picked up Spy, repping Spy for like, oh, I was uh, like Inland Empire to, to Big Bear up in that area. Good money. Good money. Spy yeah. was like, yes, even Alpine Stars at one point, like yeah. I had a December check come in. I, I was like, what is this? This is what I made in a year at Rusty. Like wow, and you, yeah, you rep, you know, like you give that back in January and February. You not not all of it, but you give yeah. a lot back with returns and stuff. So but that was that was insane, and I I would have never left that job. But how did you, you know, get the job? Um, 
You know, in the moto industry, there's the McCassie brothers, Malcolm McCassie and then Jeremy McCassie, my friends. They both were overworking at Alpine Stars, building up their action sports program, like going going after surfing, skating. You know, they wanted. They were like, "Hey, why is Fox taking all this money? Yeah, let's do this." Um, Italian-owned company. It was, you know, it was hard hard to get through to them, like how Fox does it. But you know, it was a for me repping job. It was great. I learned a lot. Um, the you product sold itself it. because I mean, the company was a two hundred million dollar company at the time. They weren't wow. like a startup. They were just startup in a in, in apparel, yeah. yeah, and then Spy was at that time the, the um, Jeremy McGrath, McGrath McGrath Glass, the MC. I'd walk in all my Riverside accounts. I they were it was like a vending machine. I'd go in every Tuesday, wherever, and it was like you sold ten MCs and just write it up. Go to this next one, ten MCs, ten MCs. Yeah, I was like, week. this is great. Yeah, you every know, shop. Um, <laughs> Should have done this a long time ago. Should have. I was making more money than I ever did. Was Alpine Stars at that? Uh, Alpine Stars making a push and surf at the time. Yes, and they actually sponsored Nathaniel Curran and, and Sunny and, and Sunny. Yeah, um, all those all those fun dudes. Yeah, um, and I would have never left there. That repping career was what I liked. I was on the road. I was doing what I want. Like when I was out in Riverside, I had my dirt bike in the back. I was slinging making sunglasses. I was making money and stopping at the track. Riding for an hour, coming home, I was living the life, you know? I was definitely not surfing as much as I was because I was so close to motocross tracks. I'm like, yeah, yeah I was kind of motoring a lot more back then, you know? But still, I, it's one of your passions and you've, you know, to get out and release and, yeah. and kind of break up the monotonous day. That's still got to be business with pleasure. That, and that was that was all good. Um, I was loving it. My friend Jeremy McCassie went to, he went over to Oakley. I think I was repping all that stuff for another year, year and a half. And like money was good. Everything was good. I was happy and um oakley was making these military boots and i was wearing them to i was wearing them to some of these surf accounts and like what are you wearing i'm like oh these new oakley boots like i've got a hurt back like we all do all the surfers i'm like my my feet feel great my back doesn't hurt these boots are amazing and the owner's son jim's son jamin was like hey some of the one of the reps is like there's some spy rep out there like literally selling more boots than we are like wow (laughs) so jamin asked jeremy goes oh that's wrong he's like get him over here and once again, it was like another one of those interviews. I went in and interviewed with Scott Bowers, the boss at the time. Yep. And it was just another one of those like, all right, yeah, the guys say you're great. Let's go. I'm like, oh, shit. All right. And then I had a deal. Alpine Star Spy. I, was, I, got, I got pulled in over there as alternative marketing. Because Oakley hit a, Oakley's at a point right then. Like, they were huge. I mean, every single surfer was, was sponsored by Oakley through the 80s and 90s, right? Um, Dino, Dino was there running the surf program. Um, Everything was firing, but the product was old stagnant. and dated, stagnant. Yeah. And they did all this auto shipping stuff that just filled up accounts. So they had to start removing. So we came in alternative and it was bring the youth back. And that was probably the, the so most fun two years. <laughs> hold on a second. You, you were killing it pretty much with Alpine and, and Spy. Yeah. And they heard about you selling the boots, your Oakley boots. Yeah. And did someone go, hey, you should talk to these guys? Yeah, my friend Jeremy just called me up and said, hey, we have a position opened here at Oakley, which was pretty cool because I said, yeah, I'm making too good of money right now. But it's Oakley, right? So when I did meet with him, it was just a conversation and a quick, how about this and how about that? And it was like, okay, cool, we're done. So you, you I got hired on making more money than Jeremy who hired me and Jamin who works for his dad like he's the owner's son I was 
you know, Scott's like, hey, he's got a, he's had a career, he's done his things, you know, pay him. Yeah. So it was, it, it was, I was like, shit, what do I do? You know? And it was, right. <laughs> but, but right now, though, flashback. So 2005 was when that was. And a few years after that, that repping, that repping situation got tough. Yeah. It got real 2008. tough. 2008. Yeah. Right. So it was totally. like, I didn't but, know, like. Well, what a crossroads, right, for you, because you're pro- you're making the most money you ever made in your life. Yep. And you're kind of doing what you want to do. You're you're your own boss, you know. Tending your own garden, mm-hmm. you know, making making your schedule. You know, you're on your own schedule. And here's this Oakley position, like that's a that's a tough. You're gonna make good money, but what but, does that really it, mean? But it's Oakley and it's Irvine. Close, yeah, you know, it was close and it's Oakley. Like, yeah, I mean that. You know, I mean right there is. As you've gone through these jobs and struggle, and all, half of it was, you know, hey, the brand took a turn, or the yes. commute sucked, or yes. whatever. I mean, yeah. now, now you got like two. But great- change is always hard, for sure. And changes, change is always good, but it's always hard. It's hard, and sometimes you make the wrong change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That one was, that one was. I saw first time in my life I saw like job security, corporate, like big brand. Yeah. Um, and I'm working like directly under Scott Bowers, who's a really, really smart person, like incredibly smart person. And working side by side with Jim's son, it's like the only way to lose this job is to be a complete dipshit and yeah. fuck up, you know? Like you're it, I'm in. And so what this is, it's not easy to get in Oakley in those spots. I yeah. mean, those are like. But this is like the pinnacle for you too, because you've done apparel, you've done sunglasses, you've done shoes, you've done, cert, you know, like, and Oakley has like everything at that time. Yeah, and, and that's still. what, that's what, you know, that's what helped me out a bit is I had, I had marketing experience, sports marketing experience, then sales experience. And our jobs and alternative were to work with key retailers and, you know, get get in there, get those places cleaned up with all the old product, all the crap in there. Like, you know, you know I, I think there's a lot of brands out there when I, when I say, like, I'm running alternative and I had a budget for to sponsor some, like, surf and skate and snowboard shop kids. I had an $80,000 budget to go find shop kids and, like, stoke them out. Wow. And there's companies out there that are just, like, like me and my small business, wish you know, eighty grand budget's great. Oh my yeah. god, that would change everything, right? Yeah. So they saw you as like the to revamp them in in the action sports alternative to, to support our crew. Like Jeremy was Hollywood, Jamin was working in product. We had some other guys underneath underneath Jeremy, and then I was there kind of I was there working side by side with Jeremy on like Celebrity Hollywood. So we're doing a lot of stuff up there. And we were also, Dino was just handling like CT surfers, the big picture. So we were doing these surf events called like Big Day Out. We're doing this party, big night out. We'd hire DJs. So we were just trying to bring like youth back to the to the company. Yeah. So that was like. Were you guys, did you guys, are you guys the ones that orchestrated the team's challenges? Yes. Okay. Well, that's a funny one because I was writing a plan on the team challenge, like what we did, the surf shop challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and it's nothing new. Like the Caton, we've all been to the Caton. Like yeah. it's nothing new. But it was like, let's get the shops involved. And literally, while we were, mark, while we were, while we were writing this thing out, getting ready to pitch it to Bowers, uh, open up a magazine and Quicksilver had surf shop challenge. Ooh. I was like, oh, ouch. Yeah. I got us. 
And then that was all ran through Surfing Magazine. And, and a year or two later, Quicksilver kind of pulled out and we we're like, we'll get in. Like we're, we still aren't that good with our core retailers. Yeah. You know, um, we didn't we didn't relaunch Frog Skin yet. We we're still trying to sell like Monster Doggle and some of these like glasses that no one in Orange County was going to wear. Yeah. You know, the only thing that was making money was half jack- jackets. Had those, and, uh, those ones over the tops. <laughs> I did not, but I had some X metal something that they were pushing. At yeah. One time. Yeah. It's funny. I now that you have a lot of those X metals, you wrote for OT, right, Lark? Do you? Yeah. I got oh, original X metals right I got, now. Or I got like, like valuable. five or six pairs of original shoes. Oh, they're, oh, they're, oh do you? All that stuff's valuable. Absolutely. Yes. Once you get online and you start realizing like, Oakley was so big that they have the carbon graphite shoe oof. with the racing tire sole. Yes, that's <laughs> when you play basketball on them, your feet got so hot because yeah. the, the, the 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 rubber would heat up for like grip. Or you would never slip. No, you would never slip, but your feet were sweating. <laughs> but yeah, Oakley was so big that they had like for for you selling things. That market out there is wild. There are collectors out there that have like Oakley tattoos. And oh my gosh, they're, yeah. they're wild. They're crazy. Yeah. Like I got a friend right now that that. I, I sold a, a watch and yeah. he got it and now he sends me wine and he's like, What else you got? And hey, can you get me this? Like he's he's he Trade, he's like right? stalks me to get him this product. Like I'm yeah. looking for this exact like this Juliet X metal. I'm like, I have one of those. Ooh, How I much got one of those too somewhere. Eight hundred bucks? There's okay, a- I'll get it right now. Drive down from drive down from Fresno, have sushi, pay eight hundred dollars for a for a glass. And this is after I left Oakley. When yeah, I was there, you just—that was the one thing you did. You want to get fired at Oakley? They had the best like loss prevention team. Sell one sunglass on eBay or something. Yeah, like, you're oh, you're caught. fired. You're yeah. caught. They like yeah. you, they were they were gnarly at that. Yeah. Um, there's a guy at what? HSS, a customer. Him and his wife would come in, and all they would buy was Oakley. Quicksilver and Oakley. Yeah, makes sense. And this one guy, his name's Kim Buskirk. I'll never forget his name, but dude, he would buy the the he'd buy the watch. He'd buy the freaking get the kit. Oh, dude. the Oakley starter kit. It was crazy. Yeah. Kim Buskirk. Oh yeah, yeah. What what about? I mean, you're like revamping. So going back to like you know the events and stuff. You guys did the surf shop. Yep challenge and then you had the pro junior right Oakley yeah that's and that's what we started with this is where it gets interesting for me at Oakley like Dino running surf and I'm running like amateur surf events like these big day outs that we called them just once again it was just a rip off from what we did at Rusty and everyone was doing it like king of groms and so we're like let's just do these free events yeah hit hit the beaches like steamer lane and you know obviously hire Brillo do everything get it done um and we're sitting back doing that, and then we're also like Jeremy's got little John wearing sunglasses, and he has that wrap thing on check. So we're, you know, I, I I went on not on tour, but I went to a handful of like little John M M&M, and M fifty cent things. I went to one in Vegas and like party with little John, like coolest dude that you ever met, like full just full Atlanta guy, but full skateboard kid. Yeah. I grew up skateboarding, you know. That's yeah. funny. Um, super good dude. So they were like, I mean, we could go on for hours about it. In a, in a small window, it was like. We were just trying to do everything because Oakley was so stagnant. Like, yeah. the only thing they weren't stagnant in was, like, motorsports. They were dominating motorsports and cycling. But cycling, we lost yeah. we lost the youth. The yeah. customer was old. Yeah. So that's what our job was. And then when you look at those surf events, that's where the pro junior comes in. Um, I sat back watching surfing, and we were all a part of it. Like we said already, it was, like, four waves, three to the beach. 
You know, I've been to Australia a handful of times. I see what's going on with border riders over there. Yeah. And I'm watching those guys surf. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at like, talking with Dino. I'm looking. I'm like, 24 Australians on the world tour. Like 10 Americans. Three Brazilians. You know, I'm like, what are they doing right over there? It's like pro juniors all yeah. day long. So all right then, that's when we evolved our... I, like with Dino's blessing, I'm like, hey, you don't mind, right? Like we were given NSSA money. Like, um, sorry to Janice and Gaylene, but I was like, we got to make a, we got to make more noise. So yeah. we had to pull the money from NSSA, pull the money from the big day outs, like for all the kids, the free stuff. And we went in and we sponsored Lowers. I think it was Lowers, Newport, Brillo's event, the local event, and Steamer Lane. And it was all part of Lowers and Steamer Lane was part of of ASP. It was during the Pro Junior Series. Yeah, the Pro Junior Series and that evolved we you know within 2 years we were doing 9 Pro Junior events in America. And and the logic behind it was these kids they're they're like Bobby Martinez, look how long it took him to qualify. They're not coming out of American surfing. Yeah. On the same level as Brazil or or Australia, like their teams events and everything they do. They they're just a surfing community. Yeah. And I'm like our kids need to learn how to go out and catch two ways in 20 minutes and know that they can get like an eight or a nine for doing a big air. Everyone was still like, this is 2006, seven. Everyone was still just like, yeah, just getting it done, you yeah. know? But meanwhile, you're, I mean, guys are doing airs. Don't get me wrong in comps and stuff, but it was like, you look at what was going on here at that level. And then you look at where those, the younger amateur. Aussie kids were coming up the amateurs. We were nowhere near them. Yeah. So that's why we did that. Then that absolutely like, it's funny when you get a, a bunch of people together, um, the Aussie guys, uh, our South African team, we all had a, you know, we had a Cabo, everyone goes to Cabo, we had a big surf summer, not surf summit, but a big brand summit down there. Yeah. And we started talking, we're like, let's just spread this shit global, right? So we started doing them in France, started doing them in South Africa, Australia. We, we were at North Stradbrook Island in Australia, it was epic, like crazy, yeah. like island out, you know, just like nothing around except giant kangaroos. A couple pubs and and just local people were be derby just sharks. A lot of sharks. Sharks, <laughs> sharks every day. Yeah, that wasn't fun. Sharks every day. Um, we were doing. We were we were having all these events and we we're like, how do we tie them together? Like, what are we going to do here? So to tie them together, we said, let's take the top winners, the top two from each event, and let's bring them to Bali, and non ASP sanctioned, and let's just give away twenty grand to the top junior in the world. Like, wow. take it away. That's epic. It was epic. And you know what? It, it actually worked because the first event, the, the top two guys were the, the best guys from the event. It, it really it really paid off. And then while we're figuring out Bali, I was talking to Julian Wilson. I was just like, you know, goofy footer, right? I'm like, Ulus. Should we go to Ulus? Julian's like, ugh. Yeah. So that's the worst place for a comp. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. It's so spread out up and down the hill and all that. He's like, do Karamas. Yeah. I was like, Okay. I, I went to Kremis. Um, my good friend Rico Menez, when we were in Bali for a photo shoot, was like, Kremis. And at this time now, Dino's left to Billabong, right? So now I'm actually, I, I, I went from alternative. I missed that part. But I went into alternative and I took on like the international role of surf manager. So I'm working with Seth Holy out of Africa and my friend Wado in Australia. We put this whole thing together and we go to Kremis. We check it out. We figure it out. And the first event is is when Crumis was like a Warong, yeah. and that was it. Like there, was, it's not no what hotel, it has. No, no, no hotel, yeah. nothing. So, like you're saying, that's when I got my first bit of Sanur. Like after being to Bali a few times and surfing that whole side, then we're staying in Sanur, 
and this is in October, and like Sonur Reef lights up. Mm. We're like, what is this wave? They're like, you're not going there. The locals, oh, okay, fair enough, fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll stay at Crumis, but that's that's when we went there, and we just did. We ended up doing two junior champs there, non ASB sanction. Um, 20 grand, 20 grand first, like 10 second. Um, Dust, Dusty Payne was there one year. I think he either won the event or got second. I think he made like 10 grand. And then the next day he did some air at KFCs and won like another 50 grand from some other comp going on. So like just just all that happening around these these Oakley Pro Junior events. And that's like and 18 and under the Pro Junior. Yeah. Or eight, amateur. It was, yeah, um, 20 and under 20 at that under. time. Yeah. Um, and we were at Crummins because we're only 18. So we did that for a couple years, and it was insane. We, we, we lived in villas Sick. with swimming pools, and some, some kids were sleeping up in, like, tree huts almost. Like, it was, it was a full experience with, with, with chefs cooking breakfast and dinner there because, you know, Bali's so inexpensive. Um, really? We should have should never changed that, and we changed it, and we went with How ASB. How many months would you stay in Bali? Uh, almost a month. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in October, too. So, like, yeah. we were surfing the east side. And it wasn't crowded, and it was fun. And it, there was a lot of reefs over there. And Jeez. and it, it was so cool. We had we had a 14-day waiting period to run basically the round of women's, like eight, 18 competitors. Yeah. So, in Crumbus breaks for four hours a day, we'd show up in the morning, we'd surf. You know, a little low tide. Tide would fill in. We'd run four hours. <laughs> wind come up. Done. And then it was like, okay, some kids are going to Ulu's. You know, we were just, when that was done, everyone was just surfing. So it turned out for the kids too, a competitive experience, but also a travel experience. Yeah. Like I started taking Sage Erickson when she was, I think like 13 or 14. I just said, hey, get on my plane. I'm taking you to Snapper. You're going to have to surf this one day. So I, and then I said, hey, come with us to Bali. So she came to Bali every year before we were with ASP in the women's event. And, um, she, and, and I'm like, come surf this. You're gonna have to surf this one day. So she she was there surfing with all the guys, and I think it really it really helped her oh, yeah. level of surfing out too. She still rides for Oakley too, right? Yeah, she still does. Yeah. And what about like the the wave of the winter, like cash outs and stuff? You guys were doing that too, right? Yeah, that was. Yeah, that God marketing was easy when I got to Oakley. Like, they had like money. surfline. Yeah, right. we had, and, well, that, you, there you go too. Money when, when you have when you have that budget we had at Oakley, you know it was. It, which was funny because for surf it wasn't a big budget because we were so multi-sport, yeah. right? Yeah, it was um, big for surfing, but it was big for eyewear. You, you know, like because we kind of went away from the apparel guys. We, we you know, we 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 were grooming sea bass at the time, and we had Adam Melling and Breno, but that was all kind of going away. So we weren't, and we weren't, we didn't have Parco right at that time. We didn't have that like million dollar guy. So if we did, it would eat my whole budget. But in eyewear, it was like I can pick the best of the best and I wear um, VZ and my competitors can't pay what we can pay yeah. and Oakley's was fully fine with don't let them have them overpay we don't care if you say this is the guy like Bruce Irons is the guy get him don't let him go anywhere and I mean Bruce was a big part of rebuilding that brand and surfing I think too that was like in his height of charging and his big airs yeah. um, but yeah those junior events are good and we went with ASP uh, which I, I think was awesome because now we were part of crowning a world junior title. So we're just giving back to surfing and doing everything we thought was right for American surfing. Yeah. And it worked out, but that one turned into work. Then it was like a month in Bali, and now we had 44 kids, and we couldn't get it done at Crumis. So we were all the way at um, across to 
What's the beach break everyone goes to? Chengdu. Chengdu. Yeah. Okay, so near to Chengdu in the morning, the yeah. traffic. So near Chengdu back. So we're over there running heats in the morning. We're running, now we're running like 10-hour day heats. And you're just in that Bali sun. It's gnarly. And you get back and it was like dinner in bed. And we're just trying to get through the heat so we can get it down to the quarterfinals and get over to Crumis where we're all staying, you know. Um, so you'd run all the prelims at, at Chengdu and the last day at, at Crumis? Yeah, we tried to get the last like three or four days in there. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, you know, 14 days to get it done and we were using 14 days. Every day it was like, I mean, we were done with it and everyone left and there was a boat going to G-Lan and it was only supposed to be like three foot or something. And I was so burned out, I'm like, and it's all paid for, like a free boat to G-Land. I'm like, I don't need to go. I'm just going to stay here and relax. <laughs> like, that's how burned out we were on those. And and then two years of that, and then it was like, why don't we just do a world tour event? Why are we killing ourselves? Let's do a world tour event at Crumis. And that was, that one, that again was one year of hard work to pay off was incredible. That was some of the, well, like, at that time. For him when, uh, a couple years ago when uh, Stephanie Gilmore got that 10? Or no, already gone? I, I was already gone. Okay. I did. We did 2012 at Crumis. And that was the year, if you remember, John John did that gigantic, like, yeah. full rotation alley oop. Yeah. Yeah. And what what was. One what, of the only waves he claimed. Yeah. It was. <laughs> Claim it. I remember there being being there in person and seeing the looks on, like, Guy's face. Oh, like, dude. You seen, seeing the best surfers in the world just go, what the hell is that? <laughs> and, like, being. You know, we're running the event, but Seabass is in the heat, and Seabass has got like a 9.3 and a 9.5, or, and he's comboed. And I'm just sitting there going, oh my God, this is my apparel guy. This is like this, as a marketing situation, you want this guy to win the event, right? Yeah. And we're sitting there going, Seabass has got this. John needs like a like a high nine, and he drops a 10, which comboed him. It was just like, what did he, what just, he had what two just nines happened? and he got comboed? Like, it's yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. John, John, had a test, right? John had a 9.98 and a 10 or something like that. And, yeah. And it was like, when he did that air, I, I think, like, personally, I went, okay, that just changed competitive surfing. Because that was the like that, that was the biggest air I've seen in a video at the time, right? And it was only 2012. Like, I know guys are doing huge airs, but, like, that thing was, you see it in, on video, and it's massive. But when you're in person, you know how that is in surfing. Yeah. It, I swear see, to God, he looked, like, higher yeah. than your ceiling. It was, it was nasty. And for you, being... The sponsor of the contest and the sponsor of the guy is against. You're like rooting against him, but he. It's good for the event. Oh, that thing had. You, yeah. You go that, on YouTube right now. It's it it has over two million views. Yeah. And that I looked at that when I was still at Oakley three three four years ago. It was like, um, dude, this dude just I and mean, he's wearing an Oakley singlet. Yeah. And at that time, within within a month, we had one point two million views. I'm like, money's paid for, guys. Like in 2012, we didn't know how gnarly social media and YouTube yeah. and all that was going to get. But it lives on. But it lives on. Yeah. It's still there. But at that time, what we were doing over there, my friend Jeremy was doing celebrity celebrity learn to surf on Noosa Limboggin. And he had uh, Ashley Green over there and a couple other like actors and actresses. We had a raging pool party with DJs, a night surfing event. Like that was... Like, I've been to most of the CTs around the world. That one was special. Yeah. That was like, you know, on the finals day, yeah. when when the whole CT is still there watching, that's cool. Because, like, Jay knows more than anyone. You lose, you get out of there. 
the crummest one being the yeah. first one. People yeah, like, when you lose, I'm just you're gone. Partying. You know, you're gone. You're, yeah, you're gone. You're <laughs> just like, it. I'm not sticking around and watching everyone surf. Like, it's kind of sad when a comp runs fast, in fact, and people lose. It's like, oh, there's half the many people in here. It's not as fun. And everyone's going home. It's like, I don't want to go home yet. Slow yeah. the event down. But that's yeah. how Kermis was. Everyone was still there. Like, I gotta, no one left. I got to tell you, I distinctly remember watching that contest and, you know, watching it live on on the computer on the webcast yes and it you know how it pans to the crowd and it panned you were like so, you got on on camera and i was thinking that motherfucker's living the life yeah <laughs> you know what the, Oak, the oakley year that was living the life like i went back and i was like we need to get an oakley house and yeah. with oakley it was like we had we always had houses but we'd have them for the six weeks and the, the yesters were building a new place. And so we rented it year-round. Off the wall. Yeah, off the wall. Yeah. So we went and I, I took the wife over there, like paid for, corporate trip, Rico, and came and met us. We went shopping. We bought all the furniture. Um, Rory Parker came over with all the tools, and we just built all the shit. And this was like June on the North Shore. And it was like five days, June on the North Shore. Lele's dinners every night. Like, this is the bomb. And then there was a... There was a one. There was a one star at Alamana Bowls, and I and Rico's in heat. I show up and there's openings and Alamana Bowls, like little three foot bowls. And I'm Four like, dude, I'm out. in. Yeah. Made my first seat. I was like, yes, this is the best trip. You know. Then we had that house, and that house was, you know, we hired Lockie McKinnon, um, Peanut to do all of our. We did a lot of surf edits called Dispatch. Um, we were making. We would film all year round at every event. I had I had I had Peanut going to every event, filming all the guys because it's hard to get your CT guys. You got to literally go to the event and film them pre-surfing because with they're hard to get film footage of when they're in contest mode and they're not doing trips, right? So I just sent Peanut everywhere with Sea Bass and those guys, and he was just busting out edits overnight. Like everything was just working, and we're in Hawaii and the house was working. Rico's running the house like it was safe. Bark. Bark is there. He's got his eyes open on everything. Like we were, we we were never. Ro- I think we got robbed one time, but Bark had caught him. Um, Who? Be that guy? Yeah, yeah. I, they they got away, but he caught him. They, yeah. The guy got away, but he just got all the boards out of a van, like thirty boards or something. Wow. I think that's when we rented the Blue Wave house, which was that was the Billabong house. Now mm. that was the year we rented that thing, and it was just a party. It was kind of gnarly. Yeah. It rained the whole time. The waves sucked. Be Derbage one pipe at like two foot off the wall right and that house was just the party house in fact we we had so many people there doing things when property management sent me a letter and was demanding 50 grand said we like cracked their we had too many people there we cracked their foundation oh my god they're gonna sue us of course our attorneys at oakley were like well what does pam get it over with i'm like no 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 bullshit i know this guy he's swindling right now for sure send him a letter back well don't don't crumble so fast and it just went away and that's when we got our that yester house and we had that oh all the way until the last year i was there i left there like 2019 i think where am i at yeah 19 so and we had that, for a long time yeah i was there from 2005 to 2019 like almost 15 years wow. Dang. and i was running surf for probably 13 of those 15 good for you and that house was key though yeah like it was key everyone had a room we had bunk beds um it, it really it, it was that was just another marketing tool. We got well, you so had the, much footage. You, you out had of the place. easy up in front, two yeah. foot, three sixty-five, and you know there, you can't pan the beach without seeing that. And that's again, that's marketing. 
It's marketing. You know? So you've had, but also had the best of the best there. surfers during that time too. Yes, we did. You know, towards sea bass, canoa, canoa. We had Gabe Medina for a while, which that that all fell apart over kind of like trivial shit, which which was all good. Yeah. You know, it, everyone separated ways, like happy and friendly. It was just kind of like yeah. Italo's was yeah, on there too, right? Italo's Italo was in our juniors. And that was a wild one. Watching Idolo surf, he couldn't surf Crumis very good, even though he came from like a, a right sandbar break. The reef, he was young. He's probably only 16, but the reef, he just had trouble out there. And there's like this little shitty left right next to it that runs into like river water. And you try to surf it, and you can barely do a turn. And he's sitting over there with like a 90% strike rate on like full rotation airs on his forehand. <laughs> I'm like, this kid's gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, I was trying to keep him. I'm like, we got to keep this kid. Like, Bill Long's going after him. We had him in peril, everything. I'm like, we'll get rid of guys. We got to keep him. But smart for Idolo. He was like, yeah. I'm going to Bill Long. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? Actually, I'm I'm glad for you. I don't want to, you know, Oakley wasn't known for its marketing. That's for sure. We, you know, we didn't, we didn't market a lot. We spent a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, we had the best athletes. We built a lot of content. We, we did things, but we didn't advertise much. Yeah. You know, we didn't, it just wasn't their deal. Yeah. It's kind of old school. Again, it was like what, what you said earlier, yeah. <clears throat> product, dude, 101. Oakley product sells itself. That was, that was easy. You, you show up in here with Oakley product, you have best friends everywhere. Yeah. You know? The, the thing I remember about watching Oakley, like working at Hunt and Surf and Sport and then working on this side of the business, I remember like, Oakley trying to be Nike. Yeah. Right? And then... Oh, like, Lord, I sat through all those meetings. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and I think, um, you know, Oakley could have had, I think, a more successful, less bumpy ride if they didn't try to be the Nike. Because, you know, you had... Absolutely agree. You had agree. the fucking greatest of all time marketer, who is Michael Jordan, yep. wearing... Your, you know, yeah. a Nike guy, yeah. the Jordan brand, yeah. wearing Oakleys. Oakleys, like that was the heyday. That was it. That, that was, was yeah. And Dennis Rodman, and I mean, Jim's Jim's a genius, man. I mean, everything he touches is, you know, pretty damn successful. Yeah, and that time was was amazing. And what went wrong there was, you know, right when Oakley, before I got there, when they started, they started the shoes and they started doing the apparel. That's when the shit hit the fan. That's when it was like they had Parco, they had Taj. That's when Billabong was saying, you're off. They're making apparel. You can't be on Oakley anymore. So it was like that whole apparel part of it. Yeah. Phil Knight at Nike was like, Jordan and them were like. They want to be head to toe. You can't, ha- can't be. Yeah, they make apparel now. Like, so in a, in, a, in a blind disguised, the apparel was like the Achilles heel of the whole Oakley program. Yeah. They, they tried to go apparel and they didn't try to follow like the standards of what everyone else was doing tried to be gym and go like out there yeah and apparel is just never it's just never hit there it was really weird i mean it would you could be super technical on like the eyewear and you know super unique shapes but when it comes to like traditional like apparel yeah yeah you can have a couple one it's like it's like uh with with the skate shoe brands trying to be clothing brands too like they Stay in your lane, man. They all wanted to to have everything, you know? They wanted to have their cake and eat it, too. Oh, you know, let's start 
making t-shirts let's start making hats let's start making technical running jackets oh, and da, 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 da. which you know stressing like, me out yeah stressing me out <laughs> but when you're simple man but when you're that big and you're so successful like we're so successful here we could be successful in that category in that category and yeah, you know yeah. like you start but it pisses yeah. you off because they it hurts at the end it hurts the end like yeah. it's so people people fold it sucks because you know when you're when you're on a good roll and you start kind of stepping out of the box in a, in the wrong way you know you start hiring more people exactly. you start you know incurring more overhead and then all of yep. a sudden yeah all of a sudden Ron Dog leaves <laughs> Oakley yeah. <laughs> yeah. absolutely well like, I mean that that that's yeah. What you said right there was a hundred percent spot on to what happened. And Scott Bowers asked me one time, he's you had a peril background, what do you think we do? I said, Well no one wants to hear it, but get rid of it all and start over. There's too many like too, there's 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 too many too many chiefs in the kitchen or chefs in the kitchen. Yeah. Like one, these guys were arguing over what works and one guy who doesn't know anything. It, it was just like the too many hires, too many people, too many products, like and and don't forget they were purchased by Lazotica, which is an Italian company. Here we are making apparel, and they're just going, wait a second, what's what's going on with the margins here? Like yeah. we have an eyewear company that you know we're working on like seventy percent profit margin. <clears throat> they're over here in apparel going like losing. Money. What we're, we're losing money on this stuff. Like make it more expensive. We're like, well, we can't sell this board short for ninety bucks when Ruka's selling there for sixty five. And they're like, they have the vibe going on right now. You're not going to be able to. It's yeah. not a sunglass, but that's. Well, they tried to do, yeah, you know, yeah. overpriced board shorts during a time when people were going the other way, yeah. You know? And like you said, the marketing, you know, like the print marketing back in the day was, you know, hey, a photo of the sunglass, highlight the product, you know, and then it felt like, you know, Oakley was so far ahead with their events and their parties, and like, you know, how badass, like, if Oakley's throwing a party, it's like. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah, and I mean, then social media kind of like you know kind of came came into the picture because Oakley's been around for a long time, and the print like you were going back to like they just didn't really good do, do a good job in advertising and and promoting and stuff. But you didn't really have to do that much in, in eyewear. But when they started putting out the clothes and exactly and everything, it was just like, oh man, this is just too muddled. You See, know? in eyewear in in performance sports, the guys are wearing the product and they're winning in it. You know, yeah. So they're on podium, and that was the that was like Oakley one hundred and one was get the best athlete, let him win. There's your marketing. Yeah. Super simple. Yeah. You know, but like I agree with you 100%. When it came to apparel though, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't that you were the making the best product. You were now you're trying to fight in especially where we're trying to win in the surf community. You're trying to you're trying to fight the inventors of this industry. It's just a saturated yeah. category yeah. In, in, in in you know, like product. Yeah. Know. It gets frustrating cuz you know, here we are as reps or guys that work for brands that get too big. And they, they, you know, extend themselves too much and start chasing something that really, you know. It, I mean, yeah, you could go through many lists of brands that came out with categories that they yeah. should have. And it just hurt. And, and, yeah. Absolutely. Like, go on vacation. Throw a contest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's what that's what did it to Rusty was, was snowboards and wakeboards. It was, there just turned out to be no, no profit margin in that. And, yeah. And unfortunately, they lost track on the surf market they owned 
and it you know that company at one point is doing 70 plus million and it it's it's just went down to like five million last i heard or something i don't quote yeah. me on that but yeah you know it's it's it bad decisions and and as we're all sitting here the the surf industry i mean i think in general it, the surf industry has just made a big giant bad decision yes over the last like 15 years and that and the biggest one i saw was like was and this affected the shoe guys because I you know I had a little bit of shoe business so I saw it and and I saw Nike and surf shops and I saw everyone wearing Nikes and, and I'm at Oakley and I'm telling my friends stop wearing that shit yeah like I know you like Nike and I know it's cool but go support our industry stop buying Nikes and it was like boom and then Hurley's owned by Mikey, Nike then boom and there's all this money and and it's and like it's skateboarding boom all Nike and it was like they came in they crushed us. They put companies out of business, people lost jobs, and then they've just turned and walked away. Yeah, walked away. They took all of our money, they crushed our skate shoe brands, and they took our money and they walked away. And then even if some of our surf companies bought everything up and didn't want to like talk to another company, you were the enemy. But the industry was built on a brotherhood, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and, And it's like... Sometimes it's even hard for me to support some of the brands because I've just known what they've done in the past. And it's like, if you didn't do that, we we could be maybe a $15, $20 billion industry and all your brands could still just be firing and firing, you yeah. know? Like it, corporate, the big corporate came in and it, it's, uh, it changed. Yeah. But luckily, you know, there's kind of been a reset of, yeah. of brands and things and the silver lining in the pandemic is that there's more attention on surfing. There's more surf participation. Absolutely. We all surf. You see the lineups these days? Yeah. So, so hopefully yeah. we can um, maintain and capitalize on. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's a collective, you know, like you said, it's a brotherhood and, and the brand's got to all be making money. It can't be one brand or two brands trying to carry the industry and that's what happened so long with with nike and you know hurley and the extension of that is you know they were carrying the weight and of course yeah all the money went to him and it was a vacuum when they yeah. pulled out and yeah. well, the, the thing that pisses me off is that they carried the weight but they did that on their own yeah and they elevated the sport which is one thing but then they elevated the the cost of it yeah. and they elevated everything of about it where it made it yeah too hard to and, compete against and, and that's what i was trying to like <clears throat> discuss with some of, some of my colleagues i'm like you guys are all supporting nike but when they come in and they get our athletes like we're we, we don't have nike money yeah and especially when we were bought by lazotica the budgets were cut yeah. by 50 percent over five years like we when they get in we're in trouble yeah and if they get into surfing and they so you know hurley's Nike starts making Hurley eyewear because they can. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. And our Hurley guys are going to be told they can't ride for us. Like you you guys are kind of like supporting supporting this 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 big company that probably could cost us all our jobs yeah. and our athletes because once you lose your athletes and marketing initiatives move over to other sports, it's like, you know, it's pretty much why I'm not at Oakley. I saw the lighting on the wall or like the writing on the walls. Um, they yeah. were moving into big sport. They're moving into stick and ball sports. My budgets were getting cut every year. Um, I was having to let go of athletes that were on there forever. You know, it was a great, a great conversation. Like having to let Dustin Barca go, right? Yeah. That, that's that's fun. Yeah. You know, having to tell Seabass and Kyle no more apparel, but I, we're like your number one money making sponsor, and no more apparel, you guys are done. Yeah. Um, 
then it was like take over skate and what do i do in skate the first person i got to call and fire in skate is um oh god why am i being stupid the um that's funny see what i said about names costin costin eric costin i'm like are you serious like come on guys it's eric costin yeah, yeah. and he was not just he's not just a skateboarder like the the dude's the dude's a businessman he knows yeah. what's going on and he has his hands in like some of the glasses that were being developed in the backpacks you know and then it was okay now it was um call um Kern Caples you know yeah. it's like oh god yeah like so I kind of went down the last year and a half two years or it was just like a mortar yeah you know like this is not what I signed up for and then no no budget for filming and shooting and traveling it was like oh yeah I'll just sit back and do yeah. Most overpaid guy to sit back and do just do contracts at the end of the year, yeah. and then go to lunch throughout the week and like, well, what's going on, surf? Well, there's a comp coming. What are you going to do there? I have no money. What do you want me to do? Like, so it was fun to have that. Like, well, it wasn't fun, but it was funny to be a part of. Yeah. You know, just swipe the card. Yeah. And and Take ask your boss circle. later. Oh, sorry about that one, and kind of laugh it off to full circle of now I'm sitting here with no money again. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that was 2019, you were yeah. just like, dumb down. Yeah, so that was, we parted ways, and I called the wife driving home, and in a weird way, it was kind of like that rusty vibe. I just, I was driving, and I felt my smile come back, because I felt defeated there, like, firing your friend sucks. Yeah. Especially when you know, like, the industry wasn't good, and they're not getting any other sponsors, too. It's like, this is horrible. You know, but I had to, I, I have a wife, I have a kid, we all have bills. Like I, I had to make the decision to, you know, if, if I had money, I'd have been like, I ain't firing any of those guys. Like, yeah, you know, you guys do it. I'm gone. I would have did the same thing I did at Rusty, but I walked out. But at the time I'm like, I got a kid. I got to, I got to keep making money. Um, the, yeah. The, I walked, yeah. So I walked out of there and I went home and you know, the good thing about big corporate jobs is you get, you know, you get, they pay you to leave. Just get out of here. Here's your check. Okay, great. I went home and I just decompressed for like a year. Like I'm like, I'm not even looking for a job in this industry right now. I'm doing a career change. I don't care what it is. If I have to become a contractor, an electrician, I can do all that stuff. I'm like, I'm I'm burnt now. I'm officially burnt. And right when I'm thinking that, my friend Brizzo DMs me or WhatsApp chats me and says, hey, why don't you, uh, <clears throat> why don't you be my partner and bring, you know, live vision to america and i was like i'll do that because this is this is me having ownership and a partner and it's a small company and it's you know and 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 they've been around for 20 years and they're doing well i'm like let's do this um you know so that's how i got involved with brizzo i met brizzo through tommy whitaker and bo emerton and they call him the chip guru we're in a chip forum which is French fries, right? Mm. So he knows more about French fries than anyone you know. And there's a big group we're all in, Bottle J Bottle and Witsy and all these dudes. And everywhere they go, they take pictures of their French fries and they post them and they, they rate them and tell them where they're from and give them a nine, a nine five. Like, it's hilarious. They just drink beer and eat chips. I was like, <laughs> I can work with these guys. This is right up my ball, my, right up right. Right up my alley. Screw like, that's my house. I, I just want free French fries and beer. Yeah, give me some free French fries and beer. <laughs> I'm bar a little low now. So, yeah, so that's Australia. It's live. Yeah, vision. live vision. L I I V E. Um, they've been around forever. They sponsor like Liam O'Brien, uh, Brent Dorrington, Wade Carmichael. Um, so, we just went, oh, this is this is easy. I mean, they are, they're already sitting on like 100 SKUs. 
They already have a marketing program, a marketing plan, a marketing campaign. Like they got money, they have assets. I'm like, all they got to do is bring this here and market it and sell it. Um, so we're going back and forth and we try to get trademarked and we got blocked. Oof. Company out of Ventura called <coughs> Cocoons, I think it was. They, they have just like live eyewear, which that's not the name of their eyewear. They just have it. They trademarked it. And it's something to do with their taping on their boxes, like live your dream. I don't know what it is. So we're like, shit, what do we do now? So then we sat back and we just kind of put our heads together. And, you know, they were coming up with different names. And I just kept going back to this is supposed to be turnkey and easy. So that's when we developed LXD, which pretty much stands for Live X Division. Um, I just wanted to keep it as close to them as possible so I can still use their assets. And, yeah and share marketing campaigns if we went on a full different name and yeah. it just got sticky. So we all agreed to it. Um, and then COVID hit trademarking takes three weeks. It took nine months because it was, it, it was during a, it was during an election year and COVID and trademarkings all through the, uh, through the post office. So that took forever. So I'm now I'm learning trademarking, dealing with trademarking person and dealing with Brizzo. And I'm like, well, that sucks. This wasn't easy. Yeah. You know, then COVID doesn't stop. It just keeps going, and the, the, the factory is shut down, and product can't be built. Everything just... No we, should, we were supposed to go to market, like, beginning of 2020. Like, March 2020 was our go-to-market. Right when shit hit the fan. Right when shit hit the fan. And then I finally received all the product in August. And then as you guys saw, as you see Surfing Huntington, the containers out there, my eyewear displays were out there for three months. So those just got here, like, in November. So I missed, like... Like a whole Summer. selling season. Yeah, yeah, everything. I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. Like the, the wife's patient. I'm like, she's going to kill me right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, 10,000 SKUs and no, or 10,000 pairs of eyewear and nowhere to sell it except online, which is fine. We sell online. We're, you know, it's slowly moving. We got, we got the, I got all the towers here. They're all in storage. I'm just working out of a home office. It's great. It's easy. It's just me. I'm talking with, uh, with Jim Shubin and what they're doing with, with their Those tequila. Boots. He goes, it's just three of us, dude. Yeah. Because I've asked you. I've asked Jim. I go, who? Does anyone know any reps? Yeah. I can't find a rep on the East Coast or the West That's Coast. So People great. are like, oh, I'm not doing that. Or Well, you're going to find him here. Yeah. Anyone looking, hit me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> find me on Insta and DM me because I need some reps because we got to get this shit moving. Nice. But, you know, the products all came out great. It's, it's you know, it's um, the cool thing about it. It's the fit and finish is incredible I, I i the fit and finish and wearing it the feel i like it better than when i wore oakley's because so oakley's a little more sport they're a little tighter they hold on better um the optics in oakley are obviously really superior to everyone they they build all their own all right. they have everything all there in foothill ranch like it's incredible that's a full manufacturing place um these things are great and they we, we have some at 39 all the way to floating polarized at 69 um, and we have a new fishing line coming right now that is mineral glass, um, and we're trying to get we're trying to get polarized glass lens like in the states, and I'm trying to get them under 200. And Briz was pushing back on me a bit. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it, but you know, still coming in at 200, it's it's that can still be 70 dollars cheaper than most of our glass lens competitors. Yeah, and it's just because Briz has been he has he has a handful of facilities that he's built pretty much himself for 20 years. And he just, he's, he knows how to do it. He's, he's a smart guy. So product's good. Everything's great. Now it's just like, get this COVID shit over with. Find me a rep. Let's get moving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's, uh, I mean, that's exciting. I mean, it's in your wheelhouse with, you know, like what you've known and been doing the last 15, 15 years. years, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, my biggest problem right now is I haven't been a sales rep for like 18 years. And I talked to Marty Matheson at Oakley. I pick people's brains and I'm like, it's not how it, it's not how I used to do it, you know? So then yeah. uh, where, where I, where I believe I'm smart is I, I'm the, I'm the firm believer of hire people smarter than you. Yeah. So it's like, I need to find someone who absolutely can just open up the surf industry and crush it, you know? Well, there used to be a really sweet spot in eyewear, at least from what I've had some experience in and just seeing the market. It's like, it used to be that like 80 to 140 kind of was the sweet spot. Now it's like what you guys are coming in. It's at like, you know, 40 yeah. to 60. And then it's the really nice, you know, over 200, yes. which people are really paying attention to the glass and the, you know, workmanship and the materials and the messaging, you know, all of it, all, all of it. Yeah. It, you know, it's but crazy. Those seem to be the two categories or price points within eyewear that are really excelling, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and that's yeah. kind of where we were because, you know, with eyewear, there's margin. So it, it leaves me room to play a little bit. If, if, you know, you you know buyers are it. playing hardball or whatever, yeah, yeah. I can play. Um, when we were pricing all this stuff, that's kind of the research I saw. It's like, you, you can't, you can't like go too cheap, you no. know, especially when the yeah. product's great. When you get yeah. the product and you wear it and you put it on, you're like, it doesn't feel like 70 bucks. You know, it, it's like, it fills, it, it fills and wears better than all my competitors out there right now. Um, and at a better price point. Yeah. You know, am I going to say the lenses are as good as Oakley? Um, no, Oakley, Oakley has patents on that. You yeah. can't, you can't copy them. Yeah. And at the same time, Shatterproof lenses, they're great and all. They just scratch really easy. They're really soft material. So there's like a fine line and on, on the pricing on this product. But I think I think we're I think we're at a good price. Yeah. You know, sometimes I look at it and when I, I the people that I have it on, the people who are wearing it, they love it. They're like, should have went a little more expensive with it. I'm like, I don't. That's that's yeah. the game I don't want to get into. That's like, you guys know more than I do with all your experience in shop and repping. It's like. An extra five dollars can ruin a sale, right? Extra yeah. ten dollars can like totally ruin your brand. Yeah, it's like the sweet spot is the spot that you need. To you be. need to be in. Yeah, yeah. And you know, in the quality these days, and, and that's just a, a testament of like where you know, like you said, that all the experience of twenty years that they've been building over in Australia or wherever the factories are. But it's like, you know, a price point. You know, glass doesn't mean it's it's necessarily like. Cheap. cheap cheap and cheesy you yeah, know yeah. not anymore exactly. yeah because you know there's just production and quality has just gotten so much better you know in almost everything like it, it, it really shoes yeah. to apparel to you it, know accessories whatever you know it's crazy too when and a lot of float these are non-floating non-floating a, a lot of brands out there have a lot of claims right but when it comes to the eyewear industry which a lot of people don't understand and when you've been in it as long as i have like lazotica is massive and lazotica look good or what yeah, yeah. This is my new model right there. Yeah. Late night modeling them. You know, Lazotica and Esslor have like a little merch. late night. <laughs> LXD yeah. late night. Let's do this. LXD. Uh, um, sorry, not Let's LXD. Get a royalty. <laughs> Talk about all the skaters making shit money. Yeah. Late night glass model going. I'll give you a little code on the account. Whatever you sell, I'll kick back. Uh, yeah, but like all, all the eyewear, it's, it's Lazotica and Essilor, massive companies. And yeah. everyone can say how special they are. Everything's coming out of the same place from Prada, Gucci, Ray-Ban, yeah. um, Costa. Like the, same thing with it, the shoes. Same, exactly. You know, just like Nike and suits. 
wet wetsuits. Everything's everything's coming from the same facilities. It just depends on your designers and you, how much you pay attention to detail. You know, you get sampled if you don't like stuff. You send it back, redo it. Yeah. Um, so it's so where it's interesting. Where can you find it right now? So so right now it's just online. Right, right? now I'm just online um, okay. at lxdiwear.com and. I have a friend, like I'm going way more outdoor with this, like not just surf. Obviously, yeah. surf's a good story. Um, I've sponsored a couple um, local kids. Um, outdoor is kind of more me. I like fishing and, yeah. you know, I'm not a, I'm not a hunter, but I, I respect it. I, I, you know, I own guns and when you shoot, you always wear eyewear. Um, but that outdoor market, when I was at Oakley, I, I, I met with people and I have printouts and it's, it's, it's an $88 billion industry for America, outdoor. Yeah. Like, so... All, all these guys living on lakes, rivers, streams, fly fishing, bass fishing, kayaking, riding the rat, all that stuff, like floating polarized sunglasses are needed. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's that's my main go. Um, my friend runs a marina down in Newport, Basin Marine, and it's just a marina where they work on yachts and boats, but a lot, you know, people come in, dropping their boats off to get fixed, and they have a retail part in there. I put some in there. We've actually, we've and we've had, we've had good sales, and people coming back in saying that, yeah. I really, really like the product. It's great. So, what's the Instagram handle? Um, LXD Eyewear. Okay. On Instagram. Nice. And you're working from home. Got good family life. Yeah. Surf. Yeah. Moto. Snowboarding. Anything else? I like, surfed yesterday and today. It's pretty. Did you really? Pretty darn fun. Yeah. Nice. It was, 56? No, I just been doing river, little Huntington River. Yeah, I kind of. It's been fun up there. I just, I'll get there and if if if. If in front of rivers fun, it's not crowded. I'll surf there. If it's not, I just go. Hey, look, there's not one person down there. I just <laughs> just try to go get a wave somewhere without so many people in the way. You know. Yeah. yeah. What board are you riding right now? Um, actually, today I was on a pesh. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's here. full circle <laughs> again. Guy, yeah, I mean, guys, just trying to live back in the nineties. Right. I uh, love it. Have you done wave pools? I've only done um, Kelly's wave. And me too. It's well, hard. I did pump springs, it's, it's fun, but it's hard. It's a killer wave. It's a killer wave. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I was I was blown away how shaky my legs were after one wave. Just like... <sighs> when? Uh, how long ago did you do that? Um, when I... Like the last year at Oakley, Seabass would come in town and I'd meet him up there and, and he would get practice days and so I'd get in the pool with him and then yeah. he'd, he'd give up some waves because he's just like, I'm tired, take this wave. I'm like, sick. And then, yeah. you know, and then it was like, like coaches were allowed to like be in the pool. So he would surf like half the wave and try to do some crazy air over this section and I would take off and finish the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. So I actually got a lot of waves out there and it's, I, I'm blown away. I, I'm just, I'm freaking bummed out, like 49 years old and I got a lot of injuries from dirt bikes and everything, right? So I, it's, I can't surf every day now. It hurts. And I'm looking at all these wave pools popping up everywhere. I'm like, this was our dream as kids. Yeah, like, I remember looking in a swimming pool and be like, can a wave just break here and like, eh, do a turn? Yeah. Or like growing up, going to the river, you're like, look at that little like six right inch wave on the shoreland. You're like, yeah. just make it waist high. I'll, I'll, I'll wiggle on it, yeah. you know? And now these wave pools, that one in Australia is crazy. That plunge. little plunge and that bright suck up barrel they have. It's like, yeah. Palm Springs is going to have four I, in the next couple of years we're gonna have four wave pools that is and it's cool incredible. that it's different technologies and different style waves and stuff you know like but man yeah it's hopefully the the more that brings down the price you know you know it does that was actually well i guess 
It's got to make money. I had a little, I had a little venture with my friend Jamin. It, it's this is just a funny one. It didn't go anywhere, but his dad being Jim and own, you know, selling Oakley and owning Red, and you know, he's a billionaire, obviously. Yeah. Um, his wife at the time loved surfing, so they were they got into surfing. They're going down to San Onofre, and I guess Jim was Jim was this dude like tell him no and he'll do it, and everything's possible, and. <laughs> Chamin calls me one day and goes, hey, so my dad's wife's surfing. He's sick of the line at Sano, and he's seen all this stuff on wave pools. Like, uh, can you get me a meeting with Kelly or something? I'm like, heck yeah. He's like, give me a meeting with them. I want to see what they're doing. And and where do you think we should do this? we got to be close to the ocean. we got to start looking for some property. And in my head, I'm like, holy shit, this could happen because it's Jim. Yeah. Like, Jim's the type of dude who'll be like, oh, the that. mindset and the money. He's got the mindset and the money. He'll do oh. that. I was like, this would be so cool if I I'll run it. I'll run the thing, and we have a, we have our own surf pool in Orange County, and we don't have to worry about freaking Mother Nature anymore. Just every day having a place just to go throw like three or four turns, you know? Just yeah. go out there. Water is always heated, you know? Yeah. Uh, talking. And be trunking it. Trunking it. All year long. And, yeah. you know, and I, 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 we sponsored the one in Texas, and I just, I never went to it. And God, I, that wave looks so fun. It looks well, so fun. a couple times. Have you? Is it as. Fun in 54th Street on the best day of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Not really, but you know what I no, mean. No, no, 54th really Street on the best day of the year like 10 years ago because it just yeah. doesn't... It's weird. Yeah. After Marie, Marie? Yeah, Marie kind of... Marie kind of tore that place up. Yeah, tore it up for sure. Yeah. Anyways. Let's Fun. Not talk about that. Let's talk about good ways. Well, <laughs> we're going to air this yeah. tomorrow. Okay. So we'll be getting some uh, inquiries on... Did you yeah. get the clip I sent you? You? Emailed them? Yeah, this guy? No. Vimeo? Right? Is that the website or the... Vimeo? You sent me a Vimeo? Yeah. When? This guy oh. did. <laughs> Some endo footage. Oh, oh really? Oh, oh Lord. Lord. Oh, That's yeah. funny. Well, yeah, we, that was a... Matt Wybanga uh, put that together. Like, that's the perks of these jobs. Like, one thing I didn't really talk about, but I think what I, what I tried to do in my career in this surfing was... I never wanted to be in front of the camera. It's like, that's not my job. I'm not that guy. No one wants to see yeah. my old ass surf. They want to see sea bass. And then Wybanga puts that all together for me. It's like, it, it's it's rad is you have something to look back on on a trip. You're like, oh, that was cool. But it's like, God, I wasn't surfing good. It's just like older. And you see yourself surf. You're yeah. all bummed out. But it's nice to have. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, God, Wybanga. <laughs> you have to put it on Vin, 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 what is it? Yeah. I get Vinmo and I, yeah. I said, Vimeo. I said, I said, I thought Jay I was trying to send me Vim- some money right now. I think I said Vimeo. Yeah, Vimeo. Vimeo was Vimeo. Oh Lord, I'm not going to try it. Yeah, but yeah, that was a. Uh, those those are the trips that you guys trying to dig up some dirt, dirt on this guy over here. And I'm like, well, look at this guy surfing. Yeah, Lars investigative report. Oh, look at this guy ripping over here. He's got music. This guy's like a pro. Yeah. Uh, you got a sponsor me video. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Pretty much. Hey, I I mean I know. I didn't. I knew he ripped because we surfed Newport and Huntington and surfed forever. But I saw this guy charging out a couple a couple times. I was pretty impressed. This guy charges. <laughs> yeah, him and I don't. I, I don't anymore. Him and Brillo were all. Oh, they're on it. They're like, oh, waves are overhead. I'm, I'm like, I'm like terrified of yeah. like four foot days now. I'm like, oh god. I'm like. Everything hurts. My neck hurts. It's gonna hurt. Like, oh, I don't want to duck dive. No, I'm, I'm ditching my board. I don't want to get smacked. <laughs> no. no, but you, hey, you grow up surfing with Brillo. You, you got to charge. You find yourself in some, you know. I'm not gonna say where we go because it's we'll get yeah. in trouble. But there's places we go 
now that I haven't been out there in a few years, but I'm riding, I'm riding like eight foot boards and shit. And I'm like, big wave Dave over here. What are you doing to me, man? Yeah. Like this. Yeah. And, and of course it's always rights. And I'm on my backhand. It's just yeah. I'm like, can you take me to a left anywhere? <laughs> yeah, look at this left. Like, I'm not going there. It's out in the middle of the ocean. There's sharks everywhere. I'm like, no, I'm getting anywhere fun. that thing. I'm that's going fun. That's, yeah, take me to the little, little, little three foot left. Yeah. 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 Well, we're stoked to sit down with you and yeah, hear your story. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're almost con- at three hours, bro. Congrats. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Congrats on uh, the sunglass gig. Yeah. Everybody go check out LXD Eyewear and uh, support Ron Dog from yeah. Downey. Thank Ron you. Dog. Thank you. It's just been a wild, Ron Dog from Downey. It's a wild dream. Like you told me when I was in high school, not knowing a clue what I was going to do. Like I go to the military. Oh, I'm just going to work for Santa Anita. Is that what I'm going to do? I don't know. If you told me I was going to be, able, I lived the life I just did and I'm going to be yeah. trying to build a sunglass company, I would have told you you're crazy. Yeah. Like, no way. That's, that's not my wheelhouse. That's not me. Yeah. It's like, well, follow your dreams. That's all I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's I swear to God, keep, that movie, keep the dream alive. That, that movie, The North Shore, was like, I, I want to live that life. Like that. that <laughs> hey, you kind of did. I kind of did. It's kind of funny. I kind of look back at it. I'm like, kind of Rick Kane right there. Yeah. You know, like, Kill except him, he man. came from a wave pool. Yeah. Lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not the wave pools there today. No. Yeah. Well, well, dude. Thanks. Thank you guys. Congrats. Means a lot. Thank Ronnie, you. Ron, Dog, Nelson. Thanks for sitting down with us. Thank you guys. First Peace episode out. of 2022. Congratulations on the new brand. We're going to help you find some reps. <laughs> yes. Peace out. Thank you much, guys. Thank you. Peace. Peace. That was fun. Bonsai Bulls. Hands down the best bulls, period. Seven locations. Two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bulls. Go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill. Clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You can also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade Shade. Sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.